This is Pat Whitley. Can I have your attention for a second? I want to tell you about a fellow named Dave and the fact I have been buying my cigars from him since 1985 when they first opened up. Two Guys Smoke Shop. Now, Two Guys Smoke Shop have three convenient locations right over the Massachusetts border in tax-free New Hampshire. Now, here's something I bet you didn't know. Two Guys Smoke Shop is America's largest cigar shop and has the largest inventory of cigars anywhere. Wait till you see this place. You're not going to believe it, all right? Now, if you like cigars, you can't find a better place to buy them than at Two Guys Smoke Shop. They're in Salem, New Hampshire, Seabrook, New Hampshire, and their new location in tax-free Nashua, New Hampshire. It is worth the ride. You can call 888-2-CIGAR-2. That's 888-2-CIGAR-2 or on the web at twoguyssmokeshop.com. The best place to buy cigars anywhere is Two Guys Smoke Shop. It's Stogie Heaven. This is Rocky Patel. This is Alma the Song. Eric Newman. Eric Hansen. This is Ernesto Perez Carrillo. Hi, this is Glenn Case. Nick Perdomo. Nicholas Perdomo Jr. This is Jerry from Ben and Jerry's. This is Jim Young from Davidoff of Geneva. This ah! is the Cigar Authority. Ah! The Authority. Are you saying pal? On everything cigar. Ah! In. I get it. And out of the cigar industry. I know what it entails, and I'm ready to nail it. With your host. You know, you're, you're funny. <laughs> David Garofalo. I'm funny how? Like I'm a clown, I amuse you. What the f*** is so funny about me? Tell me. Mr. Jonathan. Damn it, who typed a question mark on the teleprompter? For the last time, anything you put on that prompter, Burgundy will read. Very stunned. Son of a bitch, son of a bitch, son of a bitch, son of a bitch, You thought I was going to say this, son of a bitch, didn't you? And Chuck Morrison. I am 35 years old, and I live in a van down by the river. It's time to light them up. It's time for the Cigar Authority. November 22nd, 2014, broadcasting live from Two Guys Smoke Shop in Salem, New Hampshire. And today, the wait is over. If you've been playing along with our blind taste test, today we will reveal every cigar, who beat who. And joining us is cigar-smoking citizen and former president of Drew Estates, Steve Soccer. And if that wasn't enough, we've got old Fart Freddy in the aging room. We'll get Debonair, and Barry's got some cigar news and more. Welcome, everybody, to the Cigar Authority. That's right. You are listening to the Cigar Cigar Authority, the only radio show in the U.S. and, yes, the world that is always broadcast on location this week, high atop the worldwide headquarters of Two Guys Smoke Shop here in Studio B. Barry did a great job last week, by the way. And the only show that doesn't just allow smoking, we insist and demand that you light up along with us. You tune in at thecigarauthority.com where you can watch us live or catch the podcast on demand at any time. Simply find us on iTunes or YouTube where you can set it and forget it on both. All right, we've been doing this thing. We started August 16th with this blind taste test. We did it 10 years ago. We did it five years ago. And here it is, the blind taste test of 2014. We have all the answers. You're going to be surprised who we put in, who won, who lost. I have a question. Yes. Why on a four? Why? Why, why would you base it on a four and a nine and then another four? The what does dates, that mean? The dates. 2014. So then the last time that you did it would have been 2009. Because the first year I did it. before that was 2004. I'm going to tell you. Sense. For those that ended up uh, being part of, especially the first one 10 years ago, um, 
We lost a fortune because it was a Davidoff cigar that made it all the way through. We don't know what's going to end up happening. Right. And you, 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 people are charged so much for it, no matter what ends up happening. We lost a fortune, and I said, I'm never going to do this again. Five years ago, I said, yeah, I guess I'll, uh, I'll, I'll give it a try. It was the guy from Cigar Cyclopedia, if you remember Cigar Cyclopedia. I don't. Um, Rich Perlman, yeah, Rich Perlman. Um, he said, you've got to do this again. So I ended up doing it. Uh, and here it is. We just thought of let, let's give it a try this year. Uh, and, and we did it for a, a few different reasons, and we'll, we'll get into those reasons uh, during the show today of how people think of certain cigars, certain countries, certain strengths. Without the band on it, you may think differently. You may not. I could be totally wrong. What the hell is this? There's no band on it. I thought we were giving away the answer. I was all excited. I come back from vacation, and I, I'm, I'm looking forward to looking down and saying, okay, this is it, the winner. Well, this is the... Uh, the winner of the uh, Blind Taste Test, Steve. Can I throw this to you and you'll catch it? Steve Sock is here and good catch. Um, this is the winner of the Blind Taste Test. Uh, like it or not, that's the way it came out. And uh, that's all we wanted to try to prove here is what you like without the cigar band on it. So uh, we're going to uh, – you have no idea what any of these Nothing. are still to this day. Barry knows from earlier in the week as he had to get, get the stats together and um, – be ready for all the numbers and things like that, so he knows. Any surprises, Barry? Um, a couple. Yeah? A couple. So, um, and I put this together, and as I told you going through, I remember putting it together. It wasn't long, probably 10 minutes later. I totally forgot if what that. was what. Yeah. <laughs> and that. that's the truth. I just totally forgot what it is. But now as I look at them, I understand what I did and why I did it and uh, why I made a couple of mistakes that I, I should have moved something around now that I see what it is. But we'll get into that, too. Right now it's time to cut our cigar. And... Um, the official cutting is brought to you by our friends at Perdomo Cigars. Perdomo is the cigar brand that, while all other cigar brands were raising their prices, Perdomo cut out the federal S-chip tax and actually lowered them. They may have a chance to do this again. Perdomo Cigars, they stand for quality, tradition, and excellence, and will give this cigar a cut. As we saw in the blind taste test, most of the cigars were pretty dark. And I would say most of the cigars were pretty Medium to full? I agree. Yeah? I agree. So medium to full? Yep. I concur so with that the, analysis. The idea was for, for nothing to be, uh, didn't have a chance because it was too mild. It didn't have a chance because it was too full-bodied. To try to keep things in the, in the same type of level that you wouldn't pick something because you don't care for one over the other. What I do care for is this lighter we have This lighter here. is the bomb. It is the bomber. It is $24.99. It features a uh, dual-action trigger here as you push down. The yep. lid pops. You don't have to lift the lid. I you like that. You don't have to lift the lid. It does not change color. It is a triple-jet lighter, uh, and there's a little onboard bullet cutter that flips out of the bottom. Just in case, an emergency cutter. The reason that we have this uh, particular lighter here, the bomber, is because we have the man himself coming on the show yes, he is. later on in this hour. Steve I've always the considered... Steve the bomber. I've always Sorry. considered... Mr. Saka to be the bomb. Oh, so. yeah. And that's a good thing nowadays. It is. Usually if you're bombed, you did bad. Right. No, but he is the, bo the bomb. The he's, bomb. He's the bomb. I don't know. To me, Steve Saka reminds me of that character from Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. The, uh, a bomb? The, no, the, the snowman. He used oh, to have snowman. the goatee just like uh, Steve Saka. And I look at Steve Saka and all I can think of is Christmas cartoons. <laughs> 
thank you, he thinks. I'm not sure if that was <laughs> where to go with that, if that was a compliment or not. But It was a compliment. It, it is what it is. So, uh, so last week um, we had Mr. Jonathan on vacation. How was vacation? Vacation was spectacular. I've heard about the word vacation. I've seen it on a TV show before, a movie, uh, European vacation and Christmas vacation. Yeah. I've never actually tried it, but it was good. It was good. You were right. relaxing. Swinging, right? I was swinging. And uh, Chuck Morrison out there working with the Patriots. Yep. Very uh, big game. They won on Sunday night in all right, so he's, style. He's not here. He's working. Oh, I showed up. I was. I, I, I did show up. So he's not here. When he was he's not there. here, he's working. When he's, I'm not here, I'm on vacation. You stop by to make sure, as as a gentleman he is, to make sure Barry was okay. Barry, you okay? Calm down. You're going to be fine. Uh, let, let me drop off the debonair segment, nice. which was the best wow. ever. Wow, we got a bell. The best ever. Bell. I do have to say, Barry, you did an outstanding job as your, your first time producing. My favorite part of the show was now I know how you take your submarine sandwiches. So during, during the break, you do have to remember to the, mute the, the last, mics. The last break, <laughs> yep, yep. And it was funny. Before we went on the air, I was like, oh, I got this. It's going to be no problem. Piece of cake. It's easy. You press oh, you a get few on buttons. The, you, you get, get on your, George your, your balls thing. literally drop out yeah. from underneath you. And you're you like, know, oh, come it's on. It's like George Jetson, Spacely Sprockets. You just press the buttons and let Rudy do everything. So, yeah. But <laughs> as soon as the red light went on and we were on air, I got nervous. Yeah. No, no one. Could, I was like, no one could tell. No one could tell. Barry, that 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 translates to when you're not even not doing the show. I was on the way down to the stadium and I was nervous at noon. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> I was. I, so you uh, were listening as you were going. I was. Yeah, you could hear it in his voice. That especially at the very beginning. Oh, I was. My voice was cracking. Oh, I felt were, like a 13 year old. There were bricks falling out of your backside <laughs> like nobody's business. You could have built a house with all those bricks. And let me tell you, two minutes before then, we're talking to each other. There's nothing ends up happening, and then it's, the music starts and stuff, and all of a sudden, color oh drains from his face. Blood pressure. Pressure goes up to yeah, like 190. And he <laughs> I was thrown off by a guy and his girlfriend who I've become friendly with came in, and now I'm like, oh man, there's somebody I know in the audience. And, and I think that played into it. It was a big audience, too. Yes. It was a big audience. Everybody wanted to watch me fail. <laughs> Seabrook is a tough crowd. It was like a train wreck. You know, it's everybody's there waiting to see, you know, what happens and. Yeah, they were, they were there to see Jessica from um, Prohibition Cigars, who was there. And uh, we ended up having a huge audience. The place was packed, all seats uh, taken, and all eyes on Barry for a few few minutes. And he went into, into panic mode. It was he did awful. it, though. He did it. He did it. He pulled it off. The he cigar definitely off. helped. Once it was lit, started breathing normally, it was good to go. Okay, so the blind test. Why did we do it? Why do we do this type of thing? Because uh, my belief has always been that people prejudge a cigar based on the cigar band that's on it, not necessarily the cigar. I think cigars change every year, uh, like crops do, and the wine companies actually put the change of dates that end up happening. Cigar people do not do that, and sometimes companies get sold. Sometimes they, they move their factories into other countries. Uh, the band stays the same, and the cigar changes as year after year after year. If you're a cigar smoker that smokes the same cigar for the past 10 years, I'm quite certain you're not smoking the same cigar you were smoking 10 years ago, uh, unless they're that good that they end up maintaining that. And Steve can get into that with us. Wouldn't uh, that be an interesting one in five years when you come to your senses and you do this again? Yeah. You take cigars that have been aged. You have to start doing same it now. Same exact cigar. You go the same exact cigar. You save a and box. Put, and put them against the, themselves. Themselves. Oh, yeah. But not tell anybody 
What is it? Even what though you it? just told everybody. But five years from now, <laughs> no one's nobody's going to remember, including us. Except yes. for Rudy. Which is the same thing. We're not going to remember ourselves anyway. But you may be surprised. You may, be, uh, may have gone exactly the way you think it is. But what we try to do this time is pair things up that were similar but not necessarily the same country. So uh, we have uh, three Dominican cigars in this group of eight, four Nicaraguans, and one Honduran. And we did that because that's how I think that uh, people uh, buy cigars that right now Nicaraguan's hot, maybe a little more hot than Dominican was. Uh, Not necessarily their numbers are higher um, importing in there yet, but that's how the growth has been pretty dramatic on Nicaraguan. Uh, Dominican at three and Honduran still out there with one of them, and we'll see how that plays out. We went with new cigars, not old classics, but it seems like people are always looking for what's new. That's well, it is the number about. one question people ask when they come into the cigar shop. What is new? And yep. this is, these are eight great choices. And then we went with different prices. Does price really matter when it comes to a cigar? If you know, don't know what the band is, it, does price influence of what you think a cigar tastes like? Well, you're not going to know the price, and you're not going to know the brand that it's on, so we're going to show that, too, and if, see if that had any influence. And we went with medium to full-bodied cigars um, because most of the people that are watching the show, uh, listening in and following along with us, are geeky enough that um, they're not just a guy that um, you know smokes cigars and isn't paying attention. I, w- I would say the more cigar geeky a person is, the more they, they care about fuller body, more flavor, more taste, and things like that. Sure. So um, before we get to that, Barry, before we get to um, uh, reveal, um, no, no, let's just do it. Let's just go to uh, the reveal of cigar one through four without telling who won or why, but what was cigar one through four? All right, in round one, the first uh, pairing up was cigar number one, which was Senorial by Jose Blanco. Okay, so there's a new one out of the Dominican Republic that Jose Blanco that worked for a few different uh, companies over the years now is uh, off on his own. This is his uh, first project by himself, and he comes out with a cigar out of the Dominican Republic called Senorial. Senorial? Senorial. Okay. And that was matched up against B.G. Meyer. B.G. Meyer, the Honduran. Correct. So the single Honduran that's in the group, B.G. Meyer, is uh, owned by Davidoff. It's their new project uh, at the Honduran factory where they have Camacho. So there's a, um, a uh, wait a second. Yeah, there's the Honduran versus the Dominican cigar. Okay, moving forward. All right, the next matchup was cigar number three, My Father, Connecticut. Okay, so there's a Nicaraguan, Connecticut I would say probably the mildest of the bunch, or to appear to be the mildest of the bunch. No mild cigar by any yeah, stretch. Yeah, it's not a mild cigar, but it looks like it would be more mild, sure. right? So maybe a turnoff to some people that, oh, it's a shade on it. I don't like this. I don't know. That's why it was kind of thrown in there to see what happens. Maybe it goes all the way forward. I don't know, but it is a Nicaraguan, yep. And that went up against number four, which was La Flor Dominicana, 1994. All right, obviously... Dominicana, La Flor Dominicana, made in the Dominican Republic. Lito Gomez, this is their new cigar that's out there, uh, the 1994, uh, celebrating their 20 years in the cigar business. So uh, there we have it. Uh, And you you can see why I did that. Or Let me explain once again. I want um, to see if Nicaraguan cigars uh, are really all that popular. Um, So I I peered the Nicaraguan um, against a Dominican. I peered a Honduran versus a Dominican. And we kind of have kind of the... Nicaraguan. 
Nicaraguan. Nicaraguan. We kind of have the same uh, taste profile um, and not crazy difference in price. They're not exactly price right, but I didn't want to throw a $5 cigar against a $10 cigar quite yet. It's going to end up happening because somebody beat somebody and will follow through to that. Kind of like in sports, you want to have an equal pairing or, you know, competitive pairing. Yeah. Yeah. At the beginning. You're not going to put number one versus... Nobody uh, wants to watch a blowout. Right. You want to watch a good game. You want it to be close right down to the last kick. But wouldn't it be something if a low price cigar goes all the way? Wouldn't it be something if it's... Absolutely. You know, I don't know how it's going to end. I do know how it's pairing out now, but I didn't know how it's going to pair out. And this is based on about 400 and... Oh, so 480 plus 480, uh, 480 different people doing it, uh, not knowing what it is and keying it in. Not 100% of the people voted every time. Um, it was good, but it wasn't. Yeah, it was 90% or higher. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. okay. So uh, they're paying attention. They keyed, keyed along with it anyway. Um, all right, let's go to the best tweets of the week. Best tweets, of the reach, best tweets of the week were brought to you by Recluse Cigars, the cigars that were built by social media. It's time for the social media segment brought to you by Recluse Cigars, the cigars that were built on social media. All Recluse Cigars go through eight fermentation cycles over the course of two full years to guarantee you balanced flavor. Try a Recluse Cigar today, and these are the best tweets I saw all week. Fact, men that drink wine coolers increase their chances of getting a yeast infection by 99%. True. This one comes with a disclaimer. Sorry, Rudy. Apparently, North Korea threatened war on the U.S. over a Seth Rogen film in which Kim Jong-un is assassinated. Perhaps someone should tell him that Seth Rogen is Canadian. There we go. I've come to the sad realization that no one will ever pour Gatorade on me for any reason. Water is the most important element to life. Without it, the second most important element, coffee would just be a sour bean to chew. There we go. And the best tweet I saw all week, if your boyfriend doesn't smoke cigars, then you, my dear, have a girlfriend. Today's social media is brought to you by Recluse Cigars Rolled N2Bar, the old Cuban way for an effortless and perfect draw every Every time. time. All right, we're going to continue on to the blind taste test. Uh... 400-plus people participating in this. It's a mix-and-match of different cigars. We went through the first four, Seniorial versus B.G. Meyer. That's one versus two. Number three was My Father, Connecticut, and that went up against La Flor Dominicana. Moving on, Barry, what do we have? Cigar number five was Tattoo by Tatuaje. All right, there's a Nicaraguan cigar made out of the My Father Cigar Factory from Pete Johnson. We're talking about a $5 cigar there. So there's a low-priced cigar. What do we got? And it went up against number six, which was Azan Burgundy. All right. What country is that? Nicaragua. It's okay. Nicaragua. So Nicaragua versus Nicaragua here. Um, another value cigar another coming value. in around $5. Yeah. $4. It's actually $4. $4.19, I believe. Okay. All right. So uh, paired that way because of price. So I get Nicaragua versus Nicaragua, but the only, uh, yeah, the only thing. Low priced. Yeah. Low priced. Okay. Moving on. Number seven was Fratello. All right. Fratello. Oh is Hoya de Nicaragua makes that for Omar de Frias, um, and that's his new brand, or his only brand. Um, and it, there's obviously a Nicaraguan cigar there. And the last one rounding up the first round, number eight, is the Debonair Maduro. All right, there is a Dominican cigar, kind of full-bodied. Uh, and a kind of high-priced. 
for for the in this in this field. It's up there. So the thirteen dollar range. Really? Is it that high? Yeah. Barry? Yeah. Really? Yeah. I didn't think it was that so high. So you got an eight dollar cigar up against a thirteen dollar cigar. Okay. Nicaraguan versus And, and how about the La Flor Dominicana? How how price is that? Eight dollar range. All right, so Debonair is the priciest one here. Okay. All right, so there's, there's what we have there. So, uh, again, on the uh, five through eight, it's Tattoo versus Azan. Um, two Nicaraguan cigars going up against each other at value price. And then moving on from seven and eight, Fratello, the Nicaraguan cigar versus Debonair Maduro, the higher price Dominican cigar, and a uh, advertiser on the show. I hope this turns out well. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I hope this turns out well. So uh, that's what we have. Uh, and um, we'll end up seeing how this goes uh, after we have Steve on there. Uh, we're smoking the winner right now. This cigar is one of those eight cigars. Um, unfortunately, uh, me and Barry know what this is. So we're not even going to mess around because it wouldn't be fair. We, I don't even want you to guess. Because I'm not going to guess. I don't want to hurt anyone's feelings, and I don't want to be wrong. So no guessing for me. But we smoked this all the way through because we smoked it on round one, the, uh, the first eight. Then it went to the, f- the four. Then it went to the two. And we maybe have smoked it before, and here we are smoking it again. So it should be a very familiar cigar to us. I believe in the words of Barry, the cigar is very synonymy. Synonymy. Always got to pick on the fat kid. <laughs> yeah. Does, does it seem like the winner to you? I mean, is this a great cigar? It's one of those cigars. Is it, is it a great cigar? It is very good. The thing that would make it better or worse is going to be finding out what the price is. Is it worth the price? And I know nothing about the cigar at this point. but I know what it's not. Mm-hmm. Because, well, those, listen, those that are listening, they can't see what it is. Those that are watching on the video oh, feed right. of this can see what it's not. Right. 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 So uh, we'll, we'll leave it with that. So let's go to break. Uh, when we come back... Some call him a know-it-all, but that's because he knows it all. Uh, he was the former president of Drew Estates uh, before he left. Did he know something everybody else didn't? Will we dig and find out, like most people leave the cigar business before long they return? Can we find that information? He created a cigar called Liga Pavada, a private blend for himself, and it became the most sought-after cigar in America. Will Steve Saka return? And if so, with what? We will reveal the winners and the losers of the 2014 Blind Taste Test and lots more. We're live from Two Guys Smoke Shop in Salem, New Hampshire, and you're listening to The Cigar Authority on the United Cigar Retailers Radio Network. Hi, this is Rocky Patel, and I'd like to invite you to try one of our decade cigars, This premier cigar received a 95 rating from Cigar Aficionado, one of the highest ratings ever afforded by that magazine. It's a beautiful Ecuadorian Sumatra wrapper with fillers from Nicaragua and Honduras. This cigar is medium to full-bodied, rich, complex, yet elegant and well-balanced. I promise you, you're going to love the decade. Try it. Okay, people, we've just been awarded the Brickhouse Ad Account. Now, this cigar was named Best Bargain Cigar of 2009 by Cigar Aficionado, got a 91 rating, plus it's the hottest cigar on the market. So, we need an award-winning slogan. He's a brick. Oh. What about 
It's not your grandfather's cigar. Ah, it's been done. Next? How about good to the last draw? Ah, something original, people. You deserve a brick today? Who are you? Do you even work here? Excuse me, sir. Am I to understand that every Brickhouse cigar is built with all the flavor and quality of the premium cigars of yesteryear? Yesteryear? Really? That's right, Bixby. But yeah, it costs around five bucks each. Indeed. Well, sir, people don't really need a slogan. They don't? No, sir. Then what do they need? Five bucks and a comfortable chair. Five bucks and a comfortable chair, genius! Meet the perfect cigar to share with friends. Brickhouse by J.C. Newman. Handmade in Nicaragua with a fine Havana Subido wrapper. Brickhouse starts out earthy and crisp and burns well-rounded and smooth. Nothing stands the test of a good time like a Brickhouse. For more, visit BrickhouseCigars.com. Cigar smokers, how about if we go over a few cigar store sounds? Can you guess what this is? You think you got it? Okay, do you know what this is? Now for the cigar. What do you think of this cigar? I'm lighting up a Lagiana Havana cigar. The Lagiana Havana natural cigars are, oh yeah, so smooth. Oh, yeah, the Maduro version is a bit beefed up. But, oh, yeah, they're delicious, too. When asked what my favorite cigar is, I always say it's La Giana Havana. Oh, yeah. To some, tradition is a catchphrase. To us, it's a guiding light. For there can be no great future without reverence for the past. Hammer and Sickle Tradition Series cigars are handmade, employing only time-honored methods. Meticulously crafted of individually selected tobaccos, Tradition Series is a blend of three-year-aged Dominican Viso and Lijero, all finished inside a breathtaking five-year-aged Connecticut shade wrapper. Tradition Series from Hammer and Sickle. Live well. Hey, this is Cigar Smoke Citizen Steve Sockett. You're listening to Cigar Authority on the United Cigar Retailers Radio Network. And we're back, and you're listening to the Cigar Authority, a weekly broadcast about cigars and the nonsense surrounding it. And if there's anyone who can give you his opinion and your opinion better than me, it's this man. He started out in social media, created a craze in the cigar world in the 90s, rose to fame as the president of Drew Estates, and uh, maybe he saw something coming up that uh, we didn't, but he exited from that position, and right now he's joining us as cigar-smoking citizen Steve Sacco. Welcome aboard. Thanks for coming. Thanks for bringing me on, guys. Just get this a little closer. All okay. right. So let me, let me get to it. Uh, we asked uh, a lot of people, we haven't Steve on, any questions uh, you have for him? And uh, there was uh, obviously the uh, obvious question, which is the, the sellout to Swisher from Drew Estates. Uh, Swisher Sweets, did you see it coming? Did you know something? Um, I didn't know that they were going to uh, ultimately sell to Swisher, but I think it was always uh, part of the company's uh, goal to eventually be purchased by a, uh, by a larger entity. So it can move on and become bigger than it, than it was and not worry about the FDA? And well, you've got to worry about those things all the time. Yeah. But, I mean, look, I mean, the, the company was on a trajectory that was really – destined to be purchased um you know there's really kind of two directions you can take as a cigar manufacturer you can kind of take the concept that you're going to remain small and self-sufficient and uh and grow over a very long period of time 
Uh, Drew Estate, I don't think from day one they said, wow, we're going to make this so we can sell it. But what ended up happening is the products became so wildly popular that it always forced the company to be in a position of continuously aggressive growth. And that continual aggressive growth always put in a position of always being cash poor. So even while the company was doing wildly well and incredibly successful and very profitable, it still always puts you behind the curve because you're, as a manufacturer is compared to a jobber, a jobber is someone who gets a cigar made for them by a factory, um, as actually a factory where you're the person that has to purchase the tobacco, build the facilities, have the labor force, those obligations. Um, it takes, you know, on average three to five years to make most products from the point that you're making that initial investment. And if you've got a company that every single year is, you know, having a growth curve of, you know, 25 to 35 points consistently. Wow. Um, you start extrapolating out the numbers and you say, oh, my God, this is what I need three years from now. This is what I need five years from now. Tobacco. Yeah. yeah. Just not tobacco. Buildings, space, facilities, training people, uh, infrastructure for the logistics and the distribution. I mean, it's a pretty daunting task. And as a result, you're, as a result, cash poor, even though you're doing fabulously well. So if you're going to try to continue that growth, um, you really have no choice but to eventually take on some sort of equity partner. And, you know, when you've got a company that's as successful as Drew Estate, it's not a time to take an equity partner who's gambling on you, who gets, you know, 25% of the company for, you know, giving you a million dollars, $3 million, $4 yeah. million. That doesn't make any sense. You're already beyond that. So at this stage, you're really at a point where, you have to have a purchaser come in and buy you lock, stock, and barrel in order for you to ever have the ability to cash out because essentially you're company rich, but you're cash poor. Mm -hmm. And also to try to maintain that continuous growth curve going in the future, you need much more. Now, you add in these issues of the pending S-chip tax, which is going to come back up again. Yep. You add in this ongoing issue with the FDA, which for a company like Drew Estate is uh, a much more sticky situation than for a lot of other companies um, because of their product mix. Yep. Um, you know, it even makes this the concept of having an equity partner or an owner who has much deeper pockets and better infrastructure uh, even more appealing for the long-term success for the company. So I think that ultimately it was inevitable. I mean, Drew Estate, as everybody at this table knows, the rumors were every month that it was being bought. And yeah. it was just the names of the buyers changing. And, you know, the company got into a size where there were really weren't a lot of people who could buy it. Yeah. I mean, so, so were they out there uh, basically showing their, their books over and over to different companies, seeing if they were interested? Or? Um, not really. Yeah. I wouldn't say that, no. Um, but it was, you know, it's a conversation that, you know, was always had. Yeah. Um, you know, if somebody approaches you and asks, are you interested? The answer always is yes. Yeah. It depends on, you know, what are the details? How does it work? And, uh, so, I mean, it wasn't something that they were actively shunning, but it wasn't something that they were actively seeking. But I think that it was ultimately inevitable that at some point there was going to be an equity buyer. If there wasn't going to be an equity buyer, then the company would have had to just say, okay, we want to stop. We're going to solidify what we have, and we're going to basically try to operate on cruise control for four or five years and not really grow anymore so that we have a chance to build up the cash reserves to go and take the next step. Yeah. And, well, I mean, you guys are all familiar with the personalities involved at Drew Estate. Uh, they're very energetic. Uh, they're very ambitious gentlemen. And for them, the concept of not growing was almost just uh, 
it was impossible for them to even comprehend. Yeah, yeah. So I think that the this outcome was inevitable. Now, as to who was going to be the purchaser, that was up in the air. But as I said, as it grew, it really narrowed the field. It wasn't like a lot of companies could buy you anymore. Right. right. You were really in a category now where you were looking at, you know, BAT and Imperial and Altria and R.J. Reynolds and right. companies like Swishers. I mean, that's where you were. I, I was actually uh, is is kind of crummy as it sounded of, geez, the people from Swisher, my God. I think it was actually a huge win for Swisher and a huge win for, for Jonathan and Marvin and everybody that's over there. Uh, it it kind of matched up because now you look at, at Swisher, which was the entry into cigar smoking of uh, maybe odd days of smoking a Swisher sweet the first time we smoked a cigar. Well, I think that Acid became the beginning stage of this next generation of beginning as a retailer. That's what I see of somebody coming in and trying an acid cigar and then moving on at that point. Now they're in the, the 21st century of uh, beginning stages of cigars, smokers, where, where they were from in the 30s and 40s. Right, being in the premium segment rather than being yeah. in, the, uh, in the economy uh, mass consumer yeah. segment. I mean, there's definitely a parallel there. There's no doubt about it. Um, you know, and the other thing, too, is I, I think that part of probably, look, I wasn't there. I didn't sit at the table. I have no idea as to what the deal in the end was exactly. I don't you know. You have an idea. <laughs> but I don't With I, an but, R on the end. But I, but I don't know, okay? And for me to say something is me just speculating yeah. like anybody yeah, else. Yeah. Yeah. What I do know, though, is given the potential purchasers, at first blush, Swisher is not a bad partner, particularly for the company as it currently stands. Because there is no crossover, most of the time when these purchases happen, almost instantly there's a consolidation of accounting, there's a consolidation of distribution logistics, sure. there's a consolidation of sales, and ultimately there's a consolidation of manufacturing. To save a lot of money. Right. Yeah. In this case, those avenues aren't as easily apparent. It's so dramatically different of two businesses, even though they're in the same cigar segment, tobacco segment. They're not in the same industry. They're not in the same segment. Well, let's, Swisher really d didn't have any sales force. Right. They don't have a – and, you know, it's such a different business. In the, the premium end, they yeah, have a giant sales force. Right. Yeah. In the premium end, you know, it's a very relationship-based business. It's a lot of glad handing. It's a lot of individual contact. It's, uh, it's very uh, opinion and driven as to what the consumer buys, doesn't buy. I mean, it's an entirely different mechanism of sales. So one of the normal things that happens is the sales guys are the ones that get the call. It happens on Monday. They get the call on Tuesday. By the way, you need a new job. Yeah. Or yeah. we're keeping A, B, C, and D, and E, F, G, and H. You guys, here's your pink slips. We love you. God bless you. Go on your merry way. That does not happen initially in this deal. Now, what will happen in the future? Nobody knows. No. I mean, something will happen. Something always yeah. happens. I mean, this is this is the way of the world. Um, but I think that what the initial deal, the way it strike struck, and the fact that all the current executive management is staying on, it gives them the ability to have the opportunity to continue to prove themselves over the course of the next two, three, four. Again, I don't know what the structure yeah. of the deal is, but it's going to give them an opportunity to continue on the path they're on, with probably not a lot of initial interference. So from that perspective, it's a relatively unique deal uh, compared to most of the consolidations of this scale that we've seen. Now, uh, one thing you mentioned, you, you said the word partner. I don't think there's any partnership here at all, right? It was a 100% acquisition. There is no partnership going along with this. 
That's my understanding, yeah. is that it was a 100% buyout. Do you and, see a, a geek factor playing a role in this uh, as far as the number of people that followed uh, Jonathan specifically? Do you see that this merger, ends up, this buyout ends up being the, something that hurts them long term? Or do you think it's just going to be one of those little temper tantrums? I'm not smoking Liga now, and then the guy's like, all right, I, I'm going to smoke Liga. It again. seems like yeah. a lot of people took this personal. Yeah, well, I mean, look, it's something that we put in our mouths. It's something that we spend hours and hours with. It's something that, you know, regardless of where you are on the price point spectrum, it's a serious investment. So, I mean, you, you have a vested interest in the companies and the products and the people that bring them to you. So it is a natural reaction, particularly given the fact that Swisher is best known for Swisher Sweets. So I think from a consumer buying perspective, from how we as premium consumers look at cigars, it is, it is, it's definitely a speed bump in the road. Um, ultimately, it's really going to depend on the product and what the company does. I think that if the product quality maintains the same, I think if the price structure remains the same to the consumer at the end, I think if they continue to do the events and the support that they've done, um, I think that ultimately it'll be a non-issue. If those things change, then obviously there's going to be a downside. And now, of course, you do have a built-in detractor faction within that cigar community that's always going to look at it right. in a negative light. But you had that before. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I mean when, when I got to Drew Estate, it was a company that was relegated to just being that flavored, wacky, tobacco cigar company. And, you know, over the course of the eight years I was there, we managed to change the image of the company. Not that we neglected our roots, which was the acid brand, natural, and those other, you know, more out there esoteric style smoking products like Ambrosia. But we also migrated it into the more traditional handmade premium segment. And, you know, when we first offered, you know, cigar products like Chateau Real and Liga Pravada, there was a lot of initial resistance, not just at the consumer level, but also at the retailer end. I mean, we had retailers that just flat out said they wouldn't take Liga Pravada because they just didn't have any faith that a company like Drew Estate would ever be respected enough for a consumer to buy that type of cigar at that price point from a company that's best known for making Cuba Cuba. Well, a big part of that was Steve Saka, that they, uh, they knew who you were and they believed in you and said... No, the company may have believed in me, but ultimately the average consumer didn't know who I was. Not the consumer, the retailer. You know, okay. and I don't even know that most of the retailers knew who I was at that stage. Really? Well, I don't know. I think in the end, it always comes down to the proof in the pudding. Is the cigar good? Does it provide a value to the consumer that buys it? And do they continue to buy it on an ongoing basis? And if you can achieve those three things, then ultimately you will be successful. Okay. And that's what ended up happening. But it wasn't an overnight success. It no, was no. something that took you know, a good four years, five years of plunking and prodding to you know, get the product in enough consumers' hands that were willing to have an open enough mind to you know, give it a fair chance and to compare it to other like products in the marketplace. And that, you know, that's what has to happen. And I don't think it's going to be any different today for this transition than it was for that transition. Well, I, I disagree in the, in the respects that the two key people that made that happen, which is you and the guy that blended all the cigars, both of you, you took an early exit out of there before the buyout happened. And uh, I think that changes the game. Yeah, but you have to understand that, I mean, look, I'm trying to think of the right way to phrase this. Good luck. Yes, I would, like to, I would like to think that I was integral to that success. But ultimately, it's the people that do the work day in and day out 
that end up making the product what the product is. Well, you now, came maybe, up with the recipe, and now the recipe's there, so you know, they can. So maybe, maybe, they can maybe it. I was a maybe I was a catalyst to it, but ultimately, that catalyst it isn't served by one individual. It's served by a team of individuals, and not just at the factory level and the tobacco level, but also at the sales level and the marketing level. There's a lot of components they all, to They it. always had that pot great. I always thought they did that pot great, but the problem was to bring the traditional cigar in, and it was you that did it along with the blender that's there. Um, like now that you have Swisher on board, are we going to see Pigarillos and Liga Grape? I don't know what you're going to see. I mean, obviously, as, as a consumer, I would think that that would be a foolish move. I don't think that you would see that. I think that Swisher, look, don't don't kid yourself. Swisher is a very good company. Oh, okay, run by a lot of very bright people. Of course. And I don't see anybody sitting there thinking that wow, making a Liga Pravada grape is a good idea. I, I can't imagine that that conversation would even be had by anyone or considered. It would just devalue what they purchased. That doesn't make any sense to me. Well, at the same time, here was the president of Drew Estates that was putting his, you, putting your toes in the water, trying to get into the C-Store end of it uh, with not a lot of success, or maybe I'm wrong here uh, because it was a different world, but you tried to see, can, can we get uh, your products into the mass market part of it? I wonder if, if it was um, Swisher that, you know, that might not have been a, a very successful thing, but you certainly got the attention of Swisher, and that might have been the, the thing to them, and, oh, my God, these guys could break into this. Well, I think that there is a certain segment of the economy price segment that those consumers would appreciate the benefits of an acid style or a tobacco special style cigar. So it wasn't really so much trying to make a mass market product for them. It was more about trying to introduce a premium product and put it in front of that segment and see if it was something that they would be able to adopt as maybe a special occasion smoke. And maybe, you know, take that consumer and get them to migrate over. Because you have to understand that, you know, most people smoke to what their wallets can afford. So, I mean, if you talk to the average Swisher Sweet guy, you know, he's got a certain income that he can afford to spend each year on, on cigars. And regretfully, Liga Pravada doesn't fall into that price point for him. It just isn't possible. Now, for that consumer, he really, because he isn't a typical cigar store consumer that walks the door and sees these thousands of handmade cigars, his selection is limited to what he sees on the shelf space where he normally purchases drug stores, convenience stores, tobacco discounters. So the idea was to try to put a product that was different in front of that consumer that might have some appeal to them to get them to migrate into another product that maybe this would become their special cigar on a Friday. This might be the cigar that they enjoy with their golfing buddies on Saturday. So we saw, we saw that there was a, a potential market there to introduce. And uh, so for us, that was kind of our strategy in doing so. All right, Steve, right now it's time for you to pick one of these uh, Jamokes, Jamokes, Chumps, or whatever you want to call them up to team up with you because it's time for the Classic Three-Way. This Day in Classic History is brought to you by Classic Cigars. You've heard of Epic Rap Battles. So what is this? it's time for the Epic Battle. Wow. It's kind of intimidating to be in the presence of so many great athletes. For this day. Tell anyone about this, I'll kill you. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. In Classic History. Here's looking at you, kid. Brought to you by Classic Cigars. Nervous? Yes. All Classic Cigars are handmade and imported from the Dominican Republic, and every cigar is priced under, get this, under... 
$3 per cigar. You like that, baby? Let him know where I came from, yeah! Choose any blend, including the Classic Connecticut for its mild and smooth taste, the Classic Maduro for its bold and spicy flavor, or the Classic Cuban for its sweet, sun-grown, and nutty overtones. That's undertones, you idiot. Whichever classic you choose, it's a classic cigar. Available at twoguyscigars.com. That's twoguyscigars.com. Celebrate today with a classic cigar. All right, Steve, this is how it works. You pick one of these guys, and we're going to give you the birthday. Uh, today's the birthday of a whole bunch of different people, and you're going to guess what their birthday is closest without going over. So one of these guys is your partner. Just pick one. I know you don't got much of a choice here. It's tough. I'm taking rest. this man Take right him, here. Mr. Jonathan, that is a big mistake in my opinion. But <laughs> he needs all the help he can get. <laughs> I could use some help. Today, I already, I've already written down my answer because that's basically how good I am at this game. Well, so, guess what? We are the perfect partners. Outstanding. <laughs> we go down together. <laughs> Today is November 22nd, and it is Scarlett Johansson's birthday. Damn celebrated it. actress who gained notoriety in her role in the 2000. Three film Lost in Translation. She starred in multiple Woody Allen films and cast as a uh, superheroine in Black Widow in the Marvel, ser- Marvel comic series. Also starred in, in the Avengers and Iron Man 2. Today is Scarlett Johansson's birthday. Chuck Morrison, I'm going to make you go first. What year was Scarlett Johansson born? Man, he picked a guy with no mic. Oh, wow. It's going to have to just. 1927. <laughs> this is my guess right here. Barry, what do you got? Yeah, I got I'm 1980. Thinking. Barry's got 1980, and uh, what do you got? I, I want to say 78. I, I'm thinking you're pretty close. I'm thinking 78, 79. Yeah. All right, we'll okay. go 78. That way we're not over. Got it. 78. All, All right. right, it goes to Barry, 1984. Barry gets the points. Really? Wow, she's young. Okay, okay. Oh, today is the birth date of Jamie Lee Curtis. Jamie Lee huh. Curtis is a movie actress. She was born to Tony Curtis and Janet Lee. Starred in the Halloween uh, and Prom Night and The Fog. Um, a Fish Called Wanda, True Lies with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Trading Places with Eddie Murphy. Starred in uh, with Saturday Night, Live, Saturday Night Live guest. Or married Saturday Night Live uh, Christopher Guest. Uh, Jamie Lee Curtis, Barry Stein. Jamie Lee Curtis, born today. 1954. 1954. And uh, Steve, what do you got? I would think 1952, but my partner's going with 1949, so I'm going to defer. All right. Thank you. You're going to defer. And Chuck Morrison, you got 1962 is over. And Barry, you get another point. 1958. Woo. Son of a. Cheating. Is there cool happening over there? What what am I losing here, just so I'm clear? You're losing two to nothing so far. No, but I I mean, there is cost. You're on 48. He said 50, whatever. There's nothing on the table. There's nothing on the table. Uh, Oh, I don't give a damn. The loser has to shave his head, so you two are okay. (laughs) Okay. We already win. Yes. (laughs) Okay, Steve, this is to you first. Today is the birth date of Jacob Cohen. Do you know who he was? Jacob Cohen? The Cohen brothers? No, he wasn't. (laughs) A.K.A. Cohen on the Cobb? Rodney Dangerfield. Ah. Movie actor, stand up comedian who became famous. Famous with his phrase, I don't get any respect. Wow. He starred in Caddyshack and played the memorable roles in Back to School, Easy Money. Uh, he played Eddie Wilson in Natural Born Killers. He died in 2004, but he was born today. What year? I'm going 1928. All right, I was going to say 39. I'm deferring this time. 1928. Barry Stein. 35. 35 and 1940. What year did you guys say? We said 28. And you are all over. All over. Wow. 1921. 
Chuck Morrison, today is Boris Becker's birthday. Tennis player Boris Becker, tennis great, who won multiple Grand Slams and earned a gold medal in the 1992 Olympics. Nobody knows who that is. Yeah. Nobody knows? Nobody knows. German tennis player. He's famous for his battles against Jimmy Connors. Okay, Boris Becker. What do you got? Chuck just Morrison. Lost respect for you. <laughs> 1965, he says. What do you got, Barry Stein? I got uh, 1968. 1968. And Steve? I'm, I'm going 1970 for the win. 68. And Chuck gets it. Chuck, 1965. It's 67. Chuck gets the point. So close. Only again, two so left. Far. How does this end up on a cigar program? Why am I, I here? We're not sure. <laughs> You're here. We're not sure. <laughs> This is the last one. Thank God. Today is Mariel Hemingway's birthday. Mariel Hemingway. Do you know who she was? Yes. Uh, Movie Hemingway's actress. Daughter? She appeared. Uh, Didn't she play the lesbian in Personal Best? I don't know. She's the sister of Margot Hemingway in Lipstick. She received an oh, Academy Award trouble. nominee for a performance in Manhattan. Her grandfather is the legendary writer Ernest Hemingway, who was a big cigar guy. This is where the connection is right now. Oh. Mariel Hemingway is born today. What year? No way. You're going with that date? That's my best guess. Gary, what do you got? 49. 49. Chuck's got 40. What do you guys got? I want to say 1919 unless Steve has a better 1919? one. 1919? I just don't want to go over. You don't want to go over. Right, Steve. It's your call. 1940. Let's go 1941. All right, 41. 41 for the point. 1961. She's Bam. not that old. Yeah, anyway, 1914, she'd be a corpse. I had 49. Go. Anyway, this classic day in classic history is brought to you by Classic Cigars. <laughs> Zip it over there. Well, available at twoguyscigars.com. That's twoguyscigars.com. Celebrate today with a classic <laughs> cigar. And if you are anywhere near Two Guys Smoke Shop and it's your birthday, come on in to any Two Guys Smoke Shop, Salem, Seabrook, or Nashville, New Hampshire, on your birthday, and we will cut and light a free cigar for you to celebrate your day. It's my birthday. And it's Charlie, it's Charlie <laughs> Pitaris' mother's birthday today. Oh, he's in the chat birthday. room. So well, he happy is, birthday, Charlie. Look at this. Charlie. He's using Google and Wikipedia. I don't know, yeah, I don't know, know he's he's not. over there. You're not doing any of that, are you, Barry? No, no, sir. We'd never cheat. Yeah. Now, All right. I, I have a question for I'm Steve. a blogger. I have integrity. Now that you are... <laughs> Now that you are retired, yes. whether it's temporary or not, and we'll get into that maybe later, yeah. what is it that you're smoking other than Drew products that you're digging that, that has come out recently? Um, you know, I do still smoke a lot of Ligas. Um, it just really suits my fancy. Because you made that for you. Right. Um, ultimately, though, I mean, I have a few cigars in my rotation that I always smoke. Um, I'm always still smoking Padron 1926s. Nice. I really, I really like that cigar a lot. Um, and I don't really care whether it's the natural or the Maduro personally. Either one floats in my boat, but just in the larger ring gauges. Um, I've been smoking a lot of the uh, smaller tats, you know, like the Melamine jars and, yeah, yeah. Uh, and the boxes, kind of that uh, Lonsdale shape. That's one that's uh, pretty consistently in my rotation. Um, I've had a few new ones lately that have kind of entered in. I've been smoking the Calaveras. Um, that oh, kind yeah. Of, that falls into my wheelhouse. It's a little gritty, a little rough. A little rustic, but it gives me that pop of flavor I like. Um, another nod that direction. I see you have a box sitting over there. Um, I really have been enjoying those Tennessee Waltzes. Also another uh, product coming out of uh, the guys at Crown Heads. And, but I have to say the cigar that has surprised me the most this year is the, uh, the HR. Um, I believe it's Hirochi Robanya. Yeah. Um, I've been very impressed with that cigar. Um, how how did you get any? You got some samples. I mean, that cigar isn't out yet, is it, Barry? 
I'm not sure if it's shipped yet or just recently shipped. Yeah. Well, I guess I have been smoking. Look, I don't pay for a lot of cigars. There I'll admit go. it. So, but uh, the samples, you. the samples I've <laughs> smoked, uh, I've been really, really impressed with that cigar. So now knowing that it's a sample, I hope that the production ends up being as good as what I've smoked because if it is, I think it's a, I think it's a real winner. And I have no idea what the price point is of it, but I'm just looking at it from just the cigar perspective. Yeah, yeah. I, I got the I, wow I, factor you're yeah, looking for. The guys from Cubanacon had sent me a few to try, but none of them had bands yet. They said they were still waiting on the regular production. Yeah. yeah. Well, the ones I've had have had rings on them. So, okay. um, the ring I'm not so, uh, it's kind of a knockoff of the Robanya band in yes. a way, a little, little lazy from a marketing point of view, but I can understand it. You want to build on, you know, who he is as an individual. So it's a good way to quickly identify him. So that's kind of, you know, kind of mix and match, you know. And I, you know, I still kind of smoke and dabble around a lot. And I've been smoking a lot of just, you know, samples myself of stuff that I've been playing around with. Which we're going to smoke in the next hour. It's a guy you were uh, kind enough to uh, hand us all. And is this uh, something that uh, we may see the... Um, the, the Not really. It, it's an in the middle. It's as is now. Um, there's already been... Uh, two renditions after this already, but uh, none of them were uh, ready to be smoked, in my opinion. So I just kind of brought you kind of what I would call a snapshot. Okay. So uh, are you ready to announce that you will return back into this industry? Or? No, you know, I, I really am not. No. Uh, a couple reasons. Uh, the first one is I'm legally not allowed to. Okay. Um, good good know, call. My, my, uh, <laughs> good call. I have a non-compete that takes me to uh, 30 days prior to the 2015 IPCPR. And the second reason why is um, I don't really know exactly what I'm going to do or how I'm going to do it. I'm just kind of goofing off right now. You know, and, uh, you know, I always had cigars. Before I got to Drew Estate, I had cigars made for me. So when I left Drew Estate, I still have cigars being made for me. So that part hasn't really changed in Through any Drew Estate or different places? Um, different. Yeah. Yeah. Those guys are kind of busy right now. Right. I would yeah. imagine. <laughs> uh, do, you, do you love Nicaragua? I mean, is that something where you would stay? or? It, 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 um, I'll tell you, as far as a country of manufacture, Nicaragua to me is personally the ideal selection um a i think that a lot of the raw materials that are in the more popular blends and the type of materials i like originate from nicaragua so from a logistics point of view it makes a lot of sense to to establish an operation in nicaragua compared to the other countries and it's also one of the more economical country countries to operate out of um the second thing is obviously i have a much more intimate uh, knowledge of nicaragua you know, from a business perspective than in any of the other uh, predominant cigar manufacturing companies, uh, countries. And then the third fact about it is um, I'm comfortable there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, the comfort factor, even as rustic as it is, because obviously, I mean, you go and you make a cigar in the Dominican Republic, you can actually have a normal life while making a cigar in the Dominican Republic. When you are, you know, up in Esteli or Acatel or a place like that. You've got to use an outhouse. Yeah, well, it's not quite that level, but it, it, it's a lot more rural a living than any of the other places. But the, then at that point, you're, you're committed to this is what I'm doing because there's not a lot of nightlife or anything else you're going to do. So that's what you're going to do. Yeah, I'm not much of a nightlife guy anyways. Right. Look at me. Yeah. yeah. So, so you're dabbling around, tasting things. And I, and I imagine uh, b before I even light the cigar up that it's going to have that... Uh, 
type of taste that you like because that's what you did. You made Liga right. Pravada to the tasting of what you liked and hoped other people like what you like, which uh, turns out to be the most sought-after cigar in the industry. So, uh, which means people, that you won't like it because you typically don't right. like what I like. That's right, but not everybody else, right. which is okay. I'm a retailer. I want to you know, sell I, what people like. This, this adage has never changed for me. I've always taken the opinion that you should never make a cigar that everybody likes, that you should make a cigar that just a few people love. Because when you make a cigar that everybody likes, you ultimately don't end up with anyone that's passionate about it. Yeah, we can. And you can't can't please everybody. And cigars are very subjective. I mean, you know, it's just like any sort of consumable product, whether it be liquor or food or whatnot. Everybody has their own particular taste profile. And trying to satisfy everyone is a, a ridiculous, unachievable task. Right. Can you phone in an order on a cigar? Can you say, I want this, so many leaves of this, and a half a leaf of that? Yeah, but from your house, you're not going to get it. No? No. no. I mean, you got to get in the trenches, right? Yeah. And, and, and ultimately, the cigar part of it isn't the issue, the manufacturing cigar. That's actually very easy. Um, the hard part is the material. So it's really more so about the selection of the tobaccos. Uh, and the ingredients and how those ingredients are cared for prior to them hitting the rolling table. You know, I always say that, you know, you could give a master chef cheese whiz and marshmallows and hot dogs, and ultimately he's going to do the best he can do with it, but you're going to end up with cheese whiz, marshmallows, and hot dogs. That's what you're going to end up with. Now I'm hungry. All right, Steve, we're up against a hard break. You're more than welcome to stay on the rest of the show if you like, or you can head out or whatever you want to do. But when we come back, we have the stats, the winners and the losers. Who beat who and by how much? We're going to reveal all the information on Nicaraguans really hot without the bands on them. Was there a clear winner? We're going to find that out. Those answers, events and promotions, new cigars hitting the shelf, cigar news, Old Fart Freddy, and a lot more when we come back. We're here with cigar-smoking citizen Steve Saka, and we'll be right back with our number two. You're listening to The Cigar Authority on the United Cigar Retailers Radio Network. And if you ever happen to be sitting right next to cigar-smoking citizen Steve Saka and you're smoking a cigar that you have no idea what it is because there's no band on it, but you suspect this is the winner, always remember to keep the lid end out of your mouth. We'll be right back on the United Cigar Retailers Radio Network. Some football players today remind me of Cuban cigars. They're weaker, they talk too much, and they don't pack the same punch they used to. Take it from Mike Ditka, member of Camacho's Board of the Bold, and check out the new Camacho Corojo line of smokes. Built for the expert palate and fine-tuned for maximum flavor impact, consistency, and quality. In a world where the success of a cigar brand is recognized by its flavor, comes two that go head-to-head. One man smoking two cigars at the same time. Two rappers united in name, but separated by taste. One cigar known as the natural. The natural is no lightweight. It boasts full flavor and taste. The United Cigar Natural. Now comes the Maduro. Darker and even more bolder. With in-your-face flavor. United Cigar. Nothing could prepare you for what awaits you in the box. Both box-pressed. Both 65 million years in the making. Uh, That may be wrong. Well, I'm going with it anyway. Action. Adventure. 
and bromance. That's right. Bromance. United Cigar. Available in natural or Maduro. Available only at appointed United Cigar retailer shops nationwide. Rated D for delicious. Under 18, not admitted even with a parent. United Cigars. You don't have to choose. Smoke them both. Founded in 1989 by Mariana and Nestor Miranda, Miami Cigar and Company proudly celebrates their 25th anniversary with the release of their flagship brand, the Nestor Miranda Collection. Made in Esteli, Nicaragua by Don Pepin Garcia, the collection is available in three distinct wrappers aimed to please even the toughest critic. Nestor Miranda Collection. You only get one life. How will you live yours? This is Jonathan Carney with the Florida Vancada. I'm J.R. Dominguez. This is John Hart. This is Victor Vitale. Hi, this is Pete Johnson. Steve Saka. Hi, this is Phil Zangi. This it's a little bit of shake. Is the Cigar Authority. And Faith. The authority on everything cigar. Shake and Faith. In. Get used to hearing it. And out of the cigar industry. Do it. With your hosts. That's a lovely accent you have. David Garofalo. New Jersey. Austria. Austria. <laughs> well then, good day, mate. Let's put another shrimp on the barbie. Mr. Jonathan. Dear Lord, baby Jesus, or as our brothers to the south call you, hey Zeus, we thank you so much for this bountiful harvest of Domino's, KFC, and the always delicious Taco Bell. Barry Stein. That's what I love about these high school girls, man. I get older, they stay the same age. <laughs> and Chuck Morrison. Is this your place? No, 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 no. No, I live with my mom. Oh, yeah. You hungry? Hey, Ma! we get some meatloaf? It's time to light them up. There's no smoking in here. It's time. Oh, it's all right, darling. I'm a volunteer fireman. For the Cigar Authority. Hey, shake and bake, gal! Woo! Shake and bake! Light them up, light them up, light them up, everybody. We're back with our number two. Live from Two Guys Smoke Shop in Salem, New Hampshire. And we got cigar news with Barry. We're going to get Debonair with gentleman Chuck Morris. And we got old Fart Freddy in the aging room. New cigars hitting the shelf. And we'll look to our calendar of upcoming events coming up real soon. But first, we will reveal the winners and the losers of the 2014 Blind Taste Test. Welcome back, everybody, to the Cigar Authority. That is correct. You are listening to The Cigar Authority, the only radio show in the U.S. and perhaps the world that is always broadcast on location. This week, the worldwide headquarters of Two Guys Smoke Shop here in tax-free Salem, New Hampshire. And we are the only show that doesn't just allow smoking. We insist and demand that you light up along with us. You tune in at thecigarauthority.com where you can watch us live or catch the podcast on demand at any time. Simply find us on iTunes or YouTube where you can set it and forget it. On both. And here it is. This is uh, the winner of the blind taste test. We're going to put the cigar down. It's a good cigar, right? Very good. So nobody got it wrong. There was no wrong answer when it came to the blind taste test. It is what won and why it won and what they ended up liking. Uh, Nobody batted. Those people. Nobody batted 100. Nobody got a 100 score, and nobody picked one over the other, so uh, it went both ways. But we're going to uh, light up a cigar that uh, Steve Saka was kind enough to bring us, and this is a rendition of possibly uh, a step forward to a cigar maybe he's coming out with no. someday. It's just a cigar that I blended. Just blended. <laughs> just blended. He just likes to have stuff done. He likes to play in the sandbox. Play in the sandbox. It's probably the reason he's so sane. So many people get out, and they're just out. He is out, but he stayed in and just kept doing what he loves to do. He likes cigars. But but I was a cigar geek before I was in, so why would that change? 
This is I mean, true. I'm, I'm, I never got into cigars to make money. I yes, got into cigars did. because I love cigars. I, re, I recall now, I love making you. money. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, yeah. But at the same time, I mean, I'm in cigars because I'm just a cigar. Are you sorry that you got out two years too early? No. Um, you know, look, I, I would have made more money had I stayed. Um, but it also would have probably meant that I would have spent another five years. And, um, you know, look, Drew Estate's a great company, but uh, it was taxing. I mean, it was, you know, 1,500-plus employees when I left. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's a tremendous amount of work, and I was never, ever seeing my lovely wife. And, yeah. uh, you know, and I had pretty much accomplished what I had set there to do, and I think I accomplished what they had wanted me to do. So it was kind of at a point where... It was it was a good time to yeah. uh, to transition out, and you've certainly been enjoying yourself the past couple of years. Yeah, no, I it's see been, the things you're fantastic. doing. Good, good. Um, yeah, well, let's give the cigar a cut. There's no name to it. There's no nothing, but we'll just call this uh, Liga Number Ten. No, 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 no. <laughs> let's no, not get no, him no. in trouble. <laughs> okay, I'm let's, just let, let, I'm let, such let, a troublemaker. Let, let's call it Muestra. I don't know. Is that a trademark name, Muestra? I don't heard know that. What, I never heard. Muestra is the word that you would use in a factory for a sample. That's everything that's a sample is a Muestra. Muestra. Ah, yeah. So as soon as we get off trademark, that be <laughs> <laughs> It is time to cut our cigar. The official cutting is brought to you by our friends at Perdomo Cigars. Perdomo is the brand that, while all other cigar brands were raising prices, Perdomo. Cut out the federal S-chip tax and actually lower their price. And they may have a chance to do that once again. Perdomo Cigars, they stand for quality, tradition, and excellence. And this is a beautiful-looking cigar. Uh, beautiful cap, well-made. i got to tell you, the cold draw on the cigar reminds me of fresh-roasted peanuts still in the shell. Fresh roasted peanuts still in the shell. Sometimes Barry's so excited about eating fresh roasted peanuts, he doesn't oh. take them out of the shell. He yeah. just pops them whole. <laughs> and it's back. Yeah. It also reminds me of the first baseball game I ever went to with my dad. <clears throat> um, Yankees, Blue Jays. Blue Jays kicked their rear end. And he vowed never to take me to another Yankee game. He was a Met fan. But huh. Cigar reminds me. Of that day. Cigars do that. They bring back memories when you end up smoking it. Now, some, sometimes we hear things about uh, a seamless roll. Mm -hmm. I like looking at this little barber pole line on this. What causes that well, or causes a, that to go away? I'll tell you what. It's just a question of the thickness of the materials. So when you're working with thinner materials, that line is much less pronounced. When you're working with a heavier wrapper, any sort of kappa that's going to give you uh, an index of probably you know, 11 and a half to 12 pounds per thousand, um, you're always going to see that line. It's not, it's not possible to get it out. So it's really just an indication as to the thickness of the wrapper itself. All right, we're going to torch well, it up, Mr. Jonathan. I'm on record of saying I like it thick. Uh, this is the Bomber. It is $24.99. It features an onboard bullet cutter that flips out of the bottom, a very easy-to-use adjustment on the flame. It is a triple-jet, dual-action lighter. Steve, have you seen the Vertigo lighters? This is something in the past well, couple of years. I have to say I'm a little disappointed I didn't get a free lighter. I look, see everybody else got a lighter well, in this deal. Mr. Jonathan's going to hand you over his right now, and you'll have a free lighter. Because, uh, <laughs> this comes with potting gifts, this show, as it should. But this is a company that put lighters out like this that some of the companies you see that come into $100 or something, $24. I think they've been... The bargain out there, they work really good, and they're a sponsor. It's all yours. To have them. Cigar smoking citizen Steve Saka. I just want to check it. I think I'd hurt myself with this, though. 
The fact that the cap flips up for me to be in my pocket, and boy, I'd set yeah. myself a blade. All right. I don't leave know. that behind. You feel, feel that out as, as much as you want. It's a nice, heavy lighter, though. It's definitely uh, it's got big some ass tank. To it. Yeah, they did yeah. a good job. And uh, an early, early indication, the taste of this is good. It's not overpowering to me yet. Do you wow. want to talk about any kind of um, a uh, what kind of wrapper? Any any information on the cigar at all? Well, you don't have to. I'm not gonna. Okay. All right. <laughs> now, when you're, when you're <laughs> let me say this. I'm not happy with it. Really? Yeah. All right. We'll it's, see. it's 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 a work in progress. It's not it's not perfect by any stretch. Now, at the end, you've you've got a manufacturer obviously willing to let you play in the sandbox. So, in the end, no, that's not true. I I, I have a guy in a kitchen table. Wow. Really? Yeah. In the United States? No, 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 no. Just I, someplace. Yeah. Undisclosed in, location. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's pick a country. Bangladesh. All right. right. I'll go with Nicaragua. You know. Oh, I can't believe I Does, got that right. When, when, the, <laughs> when, the, uh, when the blending happens, mm-hmm. how much flavor, from a flavor perspective, does it matter if the leaf is pointing this way versus pointing this way? So the tip's pointing toward the front of the cigar or pointing toward the well, back I mean, of the you cigar? normally lay it out with the tips to the front. It's typically the way the cigar would be laid out. Um, so you typically will get more flavor that way. But if the cigar, look, everybody has their own manufacturing style. I know a lot of guys are huge fans of that Entubato. I'm personally not as big a fan as everybody else. I, I like a, a different style of construction. I like where the tubes are rolled very wide and lazy because I think it gives better air channels through the bunch. And I also like it when the, when the bonchero tears the tips off from the filler tobaccos and then evenly distributes them through the body of the cigar. So when you do a straight end tubato, that would not be the case. The tips would always lay to the front end of the cigar, and you would get more flavor there. Um, ultimately, I like them to be evenly distributed. So that would mean in any cigar that I had anything to do with, if you were to tear it apart, you would actually end up seeing some torn bits of tobacco in that cigar. Um, it all came from the original long filler, but I like, A, to have those tips distributed. B, I also like for the bonchero when he has the bunch in his hand, I like to leave it to his individual discretion with his palm to feel the pressure so that he can then fill in the natural holes that occur with those pieces of tobacco that have been torn during the bunching process. Because I think you can get a much more even, consistent, well-made bunch by self-correcting as you go along. The downside to that is it means that you have to have a torcedor that has the skill set to understand how the bunch needs to feel in his hand in order to ultimately properly adjust it because if he fills it improperly, he could end up leaving a void or it could end up causing a plug as a result of it or he could end up by not evenly distributing tobacco dramatically affecting the taste in one individual section of cigar that you didn't necessarily want to be affected in that way. So it requires a more skilled manufacturing process, but ultimately I think the end result is better. You think that uh, maybe FDA would possibly call that a non long-filled cigar by, by the tears happening? I don't know what the FDA is going to do. I mean, it's, it's hard to understand the standards that um, I honestly, anything I would say would be speculation. Yeah, anything I say would be wrong. It's like We're going to see other... soon enough. We're going to see you very soon, I think. You think? It's I, getting closer I, and closer. See, and I don't, I don't know that we will. Yeah? Yeah, I mean, they entertained. They got all those comments in. Yeah. And, I mean, they're going through those comments. You know, a lot of people have said to me they didn't believe the FDA would even read the comments. I think they're crazy. They're going to read every one, and they're going to read them four times over because they're a bureaucracy, and they get paid to read all those comments. So the more time they can drag it out, the better it is for them. It's better for us, too. And But I believe we're going to have an answer by the end of the year. You know, I have mixed feelings about this. I mean, obviously, yeah. as a, this is a product that's going to be impossible to regulate. 
The one thing that's consistent so. about handmade cigars is their inconsistency. I mean, if you're trying to make a consistent blend, I heard you speaking earlier in the show about, you know, the cigar they smoke today is not the same cigar they smoked 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say to you, the cigar they smoke on Monday is not the same cigar they smoke on Thursday. <laughs> yeah. Okay. One of the jobs of a of a blender on the floor, somebody that's in charge of your production, is to constantly be micro-adjusting and tweaking it to try to give the consumer a consistent flavor, as best they can. profile, smoking experience. So in order to achieve that, because you are working with a naturally grown leaf, you always are constantly having to adjust. It isn't just simply, oh, 20% of this, 10% of that, half a strip of that, a whole leaf of that, bing, bam, boom, put it in this order, boom, boom, here you go. That isn't what happens to make a really good, consistent cigar. What happens is you have to adopt to the inconsistencies of it. And as a byproduct of that, it makes it a very difficult thing to regulate because there's no set formula that you can use to make the product. And, you know, so when you start getting into these arbitrary standards of whether it be you know, triglyceride levels, nicotine levels, you know, these type of things, it's going to be physically impossible. It would totally decimate our industry and the products that are made. Everything would end up having to become like a mass mark product where it is ultimately made by machine, where all the tobacco is heat treated, where everything ends up being very homogenized. And that would be a terrible, terrible shame for for everybody that enjoys premium cigars. I will say... The FDA, even by their deeming document that came out last year prior to the comments, they're under the realization that the product is different. Yes. They are recognizing that the product is not the same. They're also – there's a segment of that group that's recognizing that um, the consumer base for the product is much different. And, you know, the average cigar consumer, they're making an adult choice. They understand the implications of their chosen – their choice to smoke a cigar and not smoke a cigar. And as an industry – um, we've never been one that's ever tried to uh, cater to, entice, or entertain youth to adopt our product. Uh, part of that is they're just simply not our customer. They never will be our customer. The price structure as it exists, um, even at the $4 level, $3 level, is just out of the realm of where these consumers are. So, And when you look at the, you know, the health impacts of the variety of tobacco products on the market, Um, I don't think that there's – I mean, obviously, if you talk to somebody from Tobacco-Free America or American Mm. Cancer Society, they'll have a different opposing view to mine. But I don't think that the health concerns and the health risks are anywhere near the same level. And there are elements within the FDA that realize that, and they're having to decide, you know, what is best for the overall public. So I think that we do have the opportunity to have some sort of reasonable – resolution to this that will be sustainable hopefully who knows yeah we're we're gonna know soon enough and therein lies the problem nobody knows okay barry uh it's time to reveal uh the first round so uh what do we have here all right the first round we saw cigar number one seniorial by jose blanco go up against bg meyer okay what happened bg meyer beat seniorial by uh, 55.8 percent to 44.2 percent and you rounded a little just so i rounded i didn't want to get into the yeah micro numbers yeah so uh bg meyer the honduran beat the Dominican, um, 55 to 42. B.G. Maya moves on to the next round. Okay? The next matchup was number three, My Father, Connecticut, against number four, LaFleur Dominicana in 1994. LaFleur Dominicana won 56.8% to 43.2%. That was interesting to me because we took a shade cigar at that point, but a flavorful 
uh, Chade Cigar, My Father, Connecticut, against La Florida Dominicana, Nicaraguan versus the Dominican. Do you think, given the rest of the field, that maybe people made their mind up, Barry, before they actually smoked it in that particular pairing? No, I don't, I, I don't think so. No? I think the numbers are no. pretty close, too, if you look at it. It's, it's 43 to 56. Yeah, it's not like it's a runaway. No, right. I, I don't think we got a, any big runaways anyway. We tried to use all good cigars. So uh, La Fleur Dominicana moves forward. Later on, it's going to be B.G. Meyer versus La Fleur Dominicana. But still on round number one, next. Next one was the closest margin of all. You had number five, Tattoo by Tatuaje, and number six, Azan Burgundy. Tattoo won 50.3% to 49.7%. Wow. I mean, that's a statistical dead heat right there. There we go. So Tattoo moves on. And then the last two pairings was number seven, Fratello, versus number eight, Debonair Maduro. Debonair Maduro won with 59.4% of the vote versus the 40.6% of Fratello. So Debonair Maduro moves forward. So next round is going to be B.G. Meyer versus La Fleur Dominicana. In Tattoo, uh, which is the low-priced cigar at $5 against Debonair, the highest-priced cigar, which will be interesting how that ends uh, going up there. So, again, nobody knows what these cigars were going in, so they were just voting on what they they like the best, Uh, not what is the best-priced one or what is the best construction, just an overall what was the best that the consumer liked the best without knowing what the cigars are. That's the whole idea of it. So uh, next week, we will have the contenders for the Cigar of the Year. That's November 29th, uh, the day after Black Friday. Uh, and we will announce at that point what we believe um, was is the best cigars to come out the, uh, for the year. I believe we have seven of them, Barry. I believe so. That are going to come out. And these will be the contenders of the Cigar of the Year. We've been doing this since 1992, folks. Uh, getting a group of the contenders and then putting them up against each other and coming up with the Cigar of the Year at the uh, uh, Super Bowl Saturday, the day before uh, Super Bowl Sunday is when we make the announcement. We take a lot into consideration at that point, uh, including sales. That's people voting with their wallets. We take the staff, the management team. Um, we take... Um, Now we have the opportunity to take the consumer in if some of these cigars end up in the contenders. Some will, some won't. We'll see how that pairs out next week. And uh, we'll come up with the best way we think we can come up with a cigar of the year, not based on advertising, not based on anything else. Uh, We sell cigars for a living. We pay for the cigars we get. Nobody gives them up to us for free. So we're going to try to keep it as clean as possible. But let me tell you, uh, one of the big uh, takeaways is how people vote with their wallet. Um, We're going to give the people that buy contenders a chance to vote in, and um, that will be considering factor also. But this will be Barry's first year to end up living through this, and uh, I believe you're going to say, oh, my God, all the work that goes into coming up with the winner. But uh, we'll see how that pans out. I'm a little confused right now. Yeah. Are you not going to tell me who won this that we're doing now? I have to wait till next week? Nope. Or? We're going to go into the next segment. We're going to end up saying it. But right now we have round two set up. Yeah. B.G. Maya versus La Fleur Dominicana. Tattoo versus Debonair. Yeah. We're trying to keep people on the show as long as possible. Uh, I, I think now I actually know who that cigar was. Okay. Now that we've cut the field down. All right. You, you don't have to divulge that or something. Please don't, actually. Oh. Uh, say it to you us during the break or something right. if, you, if you want to. But um, we don't want the uh, people to understand what, what the answer is yet either. So uh, right now we're going to go to new cigars hitting the shelves. Barry Stein, what do we have new hitting the shelves at cigar stores 
right now. Nothing new hit the shelves this week at twoguys.com <laughs> and twoguysfolkshop. <laughs> next, right. next, we step into the that asylum. Was, <laughs> boy, As if was, that wasn't yeah, crazy that enough. Was really impressive. See how prepared we are? I was just thinking how well produced this show was. I was looking at all your notes and everything. I'm like, wow. We're so are... happy to disappoint you, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> so it's time to take a peek into the asylum. They're coming to take me away. Ho, ho, To the funny farm where life is beautiful. It's time for news from the Insane Asylum. Odd and sometimes historic news and stories, too insane to be true, but they are. Brought to you by Asylum Cigars, Take No Prisoners. Truly flavorful, medium-bodied cigars with sizes ranging from 4x44 to the absolutely insane 6x80. That's right. That's Asylum. A Georgia woman who was accused of using debit cards belonging to her 61-year-old housemates to the order of $428 worth of clothing earlier this month was on the run from the police. The cops got a tip that Mrs. Brown might be hiding at a house nearby. They found the suspect, who is four feet, four inches tall, in a very unusual place, curled up in an oven. She figured that no one would look inside of an oven set to bake. That's one crazy cookie. That's insane. That's Asylum. Brought to you by Asylum Cigars. Take no prisoners. Truly flavorful, medium-bodied cigars with sizes ranging from 4x44 to the insane 6x80. That's insane. That's asylum. They're coming to take me away, haha. They're coming to take me away, ho ho, hee hee, haha. To the funny farm where life is beautiful all the time, and I'll be happy to see those nice young men in their clean white coats, and they're coming to take me away, haha. Steve, one question I want to ask you: So you, we're tasting a cigar that you had produced, and obviously it's young; it hasn't been uh, made all that many uh, long, long ago. When you end up tasting a blend and you can't wait a long time in between going to the next next blend as, as you're doing a lot of tweaking that's going on, um, how, do, how do you get past that? Can you just eliminate that from your mind of, of the... Uh, of well, the- I mean, look, you, you have a baseline. You know what these individual ingredients taste like on their own. You also know how certain things pair together well. You know, for example, I mean... You know, you, you know that certain flavor profiles go with other flavor profiles and they complement one another. So you have kind of a baseline to work from. And typically when you're doing this blending, and I can't speak to how anyone else does it, um, you can't take the position, I'm going to make a blend and then I'm going to wait, you know, 90 days right. and see what it tastes like. Then I'm going to make another blend and wait 90 days. I mean, the approach is more to take your baseline and just right from the get-go make tweaks on it. Um, and come up with, you know, seven, eight, ten variations of that baseline blend. Right at once. Right at once, right from the beginning. So that way you can get a sense, you know, a couple months in as to what you're looking at. And from that point, you can then identify which were the strongest, the weakest that match what you were trying to achieve. And then you can go and do another series of blends in a batch based upon the ones that you came from that previous selection. And that's the way that I personally approach it, because to do otherwise would end up taking you years to uh, to make a blend that you're going to ultimately be satisfied with. Now, you say, taking into account that maybe I know more than I do because I don't know really anything, 
when you I'll vouch for that. Thank you. That's correct. When you are when you say that there are complementary flavors, are you talking uh, spicy versus sweet, and making sure that those go together, you know, spicy a, on spicy? It's not just a question of flavors. Really, one of the more important elements is combustion. What you want is you don't want just materials that are going to flavor profile work together, but you want materials that are going to combust well together. They're going to complement one another within the construction cigar because ultimately the combustion being the steady and at the temperature that you want is going to achieve the flavor desired. So you can't just look at it as, oh, I like the taste of this, and I like the taste of that, and I like the taste of that. Let's put them together. It's going to taste great. You have to also look at the materials themselves and how are they going to work when they're combined together because, I mean, you essentially have a product that has to be kind of self-burning. Yep. It has to draw well, and you have to – so you have to have a mix of lighter and heavier materials. You have to have – like, you know, one of the general rules of thumbs, you know, is it's very rare for you to pair a binder and a wrapper that are within the same leaf or seed varietal strain um, because those two will tend to burn in the same way. The structure of the leaf will tend to burn the same way, and as a result, it won't be as self-correcting, whereas if you pick something that – structure-wise burns differently because of the veins, because of the texture, because of the thickness, will ultimately end up working with the two, essentially, wrappers, the binder and the wrapper together. They'll help to maintain that outer burn that you're desiring to achieve. So you have to look at it just not from taste, but also from the constructability of the product. So when you're blending a cigar, you're really concerned the most with the burn and then the flavor, not the other way around. No, I'd say you're equally concerned with both. Yeah. You can't, oh, both have to happen. You can't, you can't dismiss one without the other. I remember uh, having the honor to uh, go through the process with you that you incorporated me in uh, with Liga Pavada, and I remember having a dozen or so different Liga Pavadas in your office down there in Miami, um, and uh, I got it wrong. I picked number seven, mm-hmm. but um, um, that was a big, big part of what it was is watch how it burned and and all that, and um, so you had, uh, now it kind of all went together when you ended up saying that, that you made all those ligas at the same time, right. and then said, okay, it's going to be one of these, or maybe none. Or maybe none, yeah. you don't know, but you know, in that crop, you know, there were two baseline blends that were identified as being the ones that were worth, okay, let's take the next step in these, and adjust these, and see where they go to. Have you ever purchase tobacco with a plan of a blend happening and ended up getting the tobacco and it just doesn't work out. And yes, so you end up absolutely. sitting on thousands of pounds of stuff that's yeah, unusable I mean, for that blend. Does it end up being eventually used or, look, if or you, sold? If you, you sell if it you, off. If you buy tobacco well and you buy good tobacco, it has an intrinsic value to it that ultimately you'll be able to use it for something else or you will be able to sell it. The problem in a manufacturing, and cigars are actually of less value than tobacco. Once it's made into a cigar, the cigar will either sell or it won't sell. And if the cigar doesn't sell, then you're, you're stuck with something that's going to be sold at a tremendous discount just to move it. Whereas if you buy good materials and they're in the raw material form and you treat them well, and they're well cared for and well selected, ultimately it's very rare that you lose money in good tobacco. Good tobacco is it's pretty much it's like yeah it's like money in the bank really, but that means that you have to be able to recognize what's good and what's bad and what's worth the money that you're paying for it, and that's something that just comes out of experience and time, and you also have to realize that if you're with the intent that oh maybe I will have to sell this to somebody else, you have to buy something that you think they're going to see the same traits in that leaf that you saw in that leaf. Yeah. Now there's sometimes when you just take a tremendous risk. 
Um, you know, like we took a tremendous risk when we got into the whole stock cut Habano thing. We were well over a million dollars into that tobacco oh before we were able to make the first cigar out of it. You know, but wow. looking at the leaf and judging it from what we were smoking as tobacchiatos, uh, you know, we thought it was something that was worth working with uh, somebody, a name from the past, Daniel Nunez. Yeah. Uh, he was the master maker at General, at one point, the president of General Cigar Company. He had explained it to me that it was... Uh, All right, save that w- thought. Save that thought. We've got to go to break. When we come back, it's going to be uh, round number two, nine versus 10, 11 versus 12, and the reveal of the winner, 13 versus 14. Uh, when we come back. So uh, we'll give you all the stats and everything. Bad News Barry, Gentleman Chuck Morrison, lots more. We're live from Two Guys Smoke Shop in Salem, New Hampshire. You're listening to The Cigar Authority on the United Cigar Retailers Radio Network. I'd like to file a missing persons report. I've lost my one true love. Uh, what does she look like? She is like no other. Her skin, dark, simply gorgeous. Not slender, but firm to the touch. Well, we'll do everything we can for you, sir. The night we met over a fine scotch, it was love at first sight. Details. I need details, sir. Well, she's about five and a half inches tall. You mean five feet tall? No, inches. Oh, she's a mid, a dwarf, uh, a little person. No. She's a cigar. Ah, right, sir. Is she a Fleur de Lorraine cigar? The cigar that men around the world are falling in love with? Yes. Oh, I've seen this before. Louie! Yeah? Uh, get him a Fleur de Lorraine cigar and a list of United Cigar retailers to carry it. Fleur de Lorraine cigars. Simply gorgeous. Available only at appointed United Cigar retailers across the country. Fleur de Lorraine. Stop missing out. Mr. Jonathan, a shadowed figure spinning tunes on records that do not exist. Mr. Jonathan, a young cigar smoker on a crusade to champion the oldies, top 40, and yes, even country, with a host of DJs that operate above the mix. Mr. Jonathan is my dance instructor. Mr. Jonathan is my DJ. Mr. Jonathan is me. Mr. Jonathan is my DJ.com. Your one-stop shop for everything DJ and sound production. Mr. Jonathan is my DJ.com. He reads the dictionary just for fun. He finds the minutiae of tax preparation enthralling. Years ago, at an open mic night, he was paid just to leave. He is the only man to win a staring contest with the Statue of Liberty. He is so uninteresting to women, he was forced to open a cigar shop to sell to men. He's not even a legend in his own mind. He finds himself boring. His family barely pays attention to him, and his mother refers to him as... Hey you, he is David Garofalo, the least interesting man in the cigar world. Not since Zeno Davidoff has a cigar retailer had a brand named after him. The man himself may be a bore, but the cigar isn't. 
Garofalo is a premium handmade luxury cigar using U.S. shade wrapper and a blend of Nicaraguan fillers and binder. Complex and very interesting. Garofalo may be the most interesting cigar in the world. It once won a longest ash contest without even being lit. You don't light a Garofalo. It lights you. Its flavor expands on your palate faster than the universe. It has been said that this cigar would be phenomenal as a Maduro, except it's perfect as it is. I always smoke cigars, and when I do, I prefer Garofalo. Keep smoking Garofalo, my friends. Hey, Jack, I finally found a cigar magazine that I like. Really? What's it called? Cigar Journal. What's so great about Cigar Journal? Is it really different from the other magazines? It is. Cigar Journal is all about cigars. None of the nonsense you see in other magazines. Really? Yeah, it has stories, reviews, and the latest news about premium cigars. Is it a little newsletter? No, I think you'll be very impressed. Cigar Journal has beautiful images, a thick cover, and is strictly for the cigar enthusiast. They cover cigars in the U.S. and around the world and is printed right here in the USA. That sounds interesting. Where can I buy it? Cigar Journal is available at local cigar retailers and on the web at www www.cigarjournal.co That's cigarjournal.co I'll sign up today. Hi, this is Rocky Patel from Rocky Patel Premium Cigars and you're listening to the Cigar Authority on the United Cigar Retailers Radio Network. And we're live from Two Guys Smoke Shop and uh, we're going to get Debony and we got old Chuck uh, old Fat Freddy in the aging room. Bad news, good old Chuck. Bad news, Barry, and lots more. But the big news is we're going to reveal the winners of the 2014 Blind Taste Test. We got Steve Saka with us, who, who during the break named that cigar right off the top. He knows exactly what it was uh, without seeing it. But he's a pro, you know. And uh, it, it's a little scary though to if, if somebody ever said, "Okay, tell me what it is." You know, it's much a, harder today. You know, ten years ago. The countries of manufacture were much more specific yes. in their taste profiles. And today, I mean, I think that, I mean, I could be wrong, but I think there's some Nicaraguan in that cigar. And it may be Nicaraguan. We'll find out that, too. But you know the answer already. So uh, it's a semifinalist right now. Actually, I don't. <laughs> Nine versus 10, 11 versus 12. Uh, Barry, what do you got? All right. In the second round, we saw B.G. Meyer advance, and that lined up against La Flor Dominicana. The final voting on that was LaFleur Dominicana with 58.5% of the vote to 41.5% for B.G. Meyer. All right, so 58 to 41. Um, that is a Dominican moving ahead of the Honduran B.G. Meyer. Um, I don't know what that means, uh, but um, a Dominican moves ahead, and the people from LaFleur Dominicana uh, who uh, beat the My Father cigar before that moves on. Go ahead. You want to do 11 versus 12? Sure. All right. Number 11 was Tattoo by Tatuaje, and that paired up against Debonair Maduro. Big price difference. Really? This is the, the, the as far as you could possibly go. It was the lowest price versus the highest price cigar. And Debonair Maduro won with 54.2% of the vote versus 45.8. Again, not a, not a slam dunk, but Debonair moves ahead uh, there. So uh, your next round is going to be, uh, is going to be, LaFleur Dominicana in 1994 versus Debonair Maduro. All right, those are the semifinals, right? That's what it takes down to. LaFleur Dominicana versus Debonair Maduro. We'll get to that in just minutes. But first, uh, while you're enjoying life till its fullest, it's important to be more debonair, more, more, um, 
Gentlemanlike? Gentlemanlike, yeah. How to be more debonair and more gentlemanlike is Gentleman Chuck Morrison. Do you need a gentleman? Gentleman. <laughs> I'm a gentleman. You need a gentleman? <laughs> you wouldn't want to call me gentleman. Ladies, fasten your seatbelts. Switch over your electronic devices. Wrong. And pop up the volume. You need a gentleman? And this is The Gentleman's Way. It's brought to you by Debonair Cigars and Rum. Debonair Cigars provide its clients with, wait for it, suspension of reality. Time spent smoking a debonair gentleman can never be subtracted from one's life. Today, my friends, dressing to kill like a gentleman, a debonair gentleman. Leading off is the hat. We were talking about the hat in the pregame, which was not broadcast. Yes. But every hat should serve a purpose. Yes. Think about that. When you're wearing a hat, every hat should wear a purpose. You may ask yourself, Chuck, you're wearing a hat. What purpose does it serve? No, uh, you fail. Exactly. <laughs> so this is a reminder to myself as well to be more debonair. Number two here is nothing, gentlemen, nothing looks more badass than a well-tailored suit. Every gentleman should own. A custom-made, well-tailored suit. Yes. Especially fat guys. <laughs> Especially fat ties. A true gentleman, gentlemen, would never, ever wear a clip-on tie. Never do it. Speaking of ties, a little tip here. Even a bow tie? Even a bow tie. You got to go real. Go real. It's tough. I know. Yeah. I know. Okay. Hey, we're talking about, you know, it's tough to be debonair, man. It is. It's tough. What ties do you wear, for God's sakes? I have to do it once in a while. <laughs> Black tie stuff. Well, speaking of ties, here's a little debonair tip for you guys. Brush your teeth. Before you put on the tie. There you go. There you go, right? All right, of course. And uh, last but not least, here's, here's the debonair tip of the day. Maybe the year. Always go into public like you're about to meet the love of your life. Always go out in public dressed like you're about to meet the love of your life. Again, this is tough. It's, it's debonair. The question always is, gentlemen, are you debonair? Enough. I nailed all of those. Did you? Nailed them. I'm over five. I'm screwed. (laughs) (laughs) I'm with you. I'm with you, Steve Saka. Wow. We need schlubbing here. Smoking Sarsen. Steve Saka with us, and we are going through the blind taste of uh, what we thought was the best, uh, or what the folks out there, the 400 plus people that participated in here, what they thought it was. So we started off with a uh, with eight contestants and we tried to match them the best we could it came down to four of them the four moved on right now we have la Florida dominicana 1994 new cigar by la Florida dominicana celebrating their 20th anniversary versus debonair and new cigar from the folks at debonair uh, who came out with a maduro version this year and uh it's going to be those two against each other's in the finals we'll uh, catch that in just minutes but first it is time to take a peek into the aging room with Old Fat Freddy. It's time to step into the aging room. Sometimes aging makes a great cigar even better, just like aging room cigars. They're made in small batches from rare and limited 100% Dominican tobaccos. And here in our aging room is Old Fart Freddy. In my day, the kiddos learned how to read with the Fun with Dick and Jane series because the books reflected the makeup of your typical American family. Nowadays, we have a different makeup of families, so books may need to have a makeover to Jane and Jill went up a hill, or fun with Dick and Richard the Fabulous. In my day, all anyone talked about was going to the moon. 
Nowadays, science has made some serious leaps. In fact, I hear that NASA is beginning to look into the ring of debris around Uranus. In my day, we hunted beaver. Although the meat was very gamey, the pelt could be used as cash as long as you aged the stank out of it. We would air out our beavers on the front porch for days and then go shopping with our stank-free money pelts. <laughs> Nowadays, beavers are endangered species and cannot be hunted. Society has traded the money pelts for the money belts. We were less than fabulous dicks that hunted stank beaver who left Uranus alone. Sometimes wow. aging makes a great cigar <laughs> even better. Just like aging room cigars. There's got to be an FCC violation. Right on the line. Yeah. Wait for it, though. Try aging room cigars from Boutique Blends. Some things are better aged. Some are not. Wow. That beaver's got a lot of hair on it. It's got to be vintage, right? It's vintage. Oh, my apologies to the folks at Aging Room Cigars, Rafi and Nadell, and uh, it was good having you as they actually a... Uh, pay you for that segment? Oh, yeah, they do. <laughs> wow. They pay us. Brutal. Brutal. <laughs> and it comes towards the end because I usually turn a little red and a little disgusted, but it continues. It's just amazing. It continues on. Uh, bad news, Barry. You got some news. Yep, this week, LaFleur Dominicana announced that the cigar formerly known as M is shipping their limited edition 2014 to retailers the first week of December. Also, Drew Estate announced they are partnering up with Shady Records for an exclusive Michigan release of The Undercrown, which will come in a box-pressed bellicoso format measuring 5 by 50 the proposal to ban tobacco sales in Westminster, Massachusetts, this week was defeated by a two-to-one Yay. vote. Yay. Imagine two-to-one, though. That that means that lady just would not give up. Nope. Two-to-one, two it could have been banned. It could have been prohibition against cigars. Thank God it didn't happen, but just for the possibility that it did, how amazing is that? But there is another proposal to ban tobacco sales in a town that so far has gone unnoticed by mainstream media. The Cayuga County village of Union Springs, New York, has proposed a similar ban to that of Westminster. If passed, the sale of tobacco could be classified as a Class B misdemeanor, which could carry up to a year in jail. Yet, yet wow. they're legalizing marijuana, and even if you get caught with it illegally, it, it is no, uh, there's, there's a fine. There is no, uh, it's crazy. Crazy! The world's coming to an end. And lastly, New Orleans read into record this week a proposal that will ban public smoking and smoking in bars. The next step wow. for the process is on December 1st, and those whom the ban would affect the most have formed the Freedom to Choose Coalition to fight the measure. This is New Orleans. Which is home of the 2015 oh. IPCPR convention. Imagine that. No smoking on Bourbon Street. Make Public sure. drinking... And, and the craziness that goes on, we've been there, Steve. Public drinking. How about public defecating? That's okay <laughs> in New Orleans. Yes. The last don't wow. light up a cigar. We're just the ones you can, you can piss all over us. I mean, we're just cigar smokers. Smokers, we can, you can do anything you want to us. Wow. That, that's the news this week. Hopefully it gets better next week. Yeah, it's bad news, Barry, with cigar news because it's mostly all bad news. So well, I thought the little Florida Minicana was good news. Yeah, right. yeah. What did you think of uh, the Drew Estate one that's coming out? I have out? no idea who Shady Records is. That's uh, M&M's record label. Is it? Yes. Really? So they're doing this box press format just for Michigan. They also have the uh, Pappy Van Winkle cigar coming out you didn't mention. Did you hear about that? Yeah, I saw the, I saw the news release. That's all I really know about it. Do you, do you stay in touch with those folks at all? Yeah, we still talk occasionally, but yeah. uh, I'm not involved in any of the decision making at yeah. this point. So, uh, you know. 
I don't, I don't know. Yeah. So what? <laughs> <laughs> what are you supposed to say? I don't know. I don't know. How about the uh, the uh, the guy that used to be the blender and stuff over there? Nicholas. Nicholas Nick- is a Nicholas is a really talented cigar maker. Um, I don't know. Uh, you know, I still t- stay in touch with Nick. Um, I don't know ultimately what Nick will do. Um, I think though uh, he will be definitely coming back in some capacity. And uh, look, I I have nothing but absolute faith in Nicholas. Nicholas, as far as I'm concerned, talented. is incredibly talented. Yeah. And uh, so I, I think that he will definitely return. And I think that uh, I think as a cigar consumer, we're all going to be the beneficiaries of his work. Good, good. I believe so too. Um, and I believe that all you guys that have uh, cigars in your blood—that's what I what I feel. You see them get out, and then they end up coming back in because it's not so good out there without the the, the play of this industry. It's a great industry, uh, camaraderie and everything that goes along with it. It's a great, great industry, and. Uh, I, I get scared when people are getting out of it, but they end up coming back in. The one surprise to me still has been the Onziga family um, that we used to be with CAO, that they have not made a return. I'm actually surprised. Um, I got no comment on yeah, that either. We go. I'm going to leave that alone. All right. Leave <laughs> it alone, and we'll, and we'll get you're to You're doing end. the best you can, though, to dig, David. I'm digging. I have to yeah, say so you're doing I'm, a good job. I'm trying. Steve, you, meant, you made a, a little throw to big ring gauge, bigger ring gauges in some of the cigars that you smoke. How do you feel about the... Uh, oversized nature of some cigars going past the 60? Um, as a manufacturer, I would love it because uh, you make a lot more money on those larger ring gauge cigars. And for what your investment is primarily in filler materials, all the work is the same other than the delta and the filler, the actual uh, lo- you know, the capacity. So as a manufacturer, it's a great thing. Um, as a smoker, I don't personally like them. I find them awkward. Um, as a blender, I don't personally like them because the combustion ends up being too cool. So I can't use the heavier materials that I typically like in them um, because they won't burn properly in those larger ring gauge cigars. However, the larger ring gauge cigars tend to be, if you look at most of them, they tend to be in more that mild to medium spectrum. And that is because most of the materials that have to be used in them are lighter materials as a result. That is and interesting. the combination of the cooler burning temperature ends up delivering to the consumer a more milder cigar. So I think for someone that's looking for milder cigars, I think stepping up in ring gauge is a good area to go to try to get that type of smoking experience. And I know for consumers, they feel as though they're getting a better value for their money because they're getting so much more cigar for their dollar. But the reality is uh, the difference in cost to manufacture isn't that dramatically different than what it costs to make a Robusto. So, so, you know, it's just a question of, uh, you know, what you as a consumer like. If you like the larger ring gauges, you know, God bless you, buy them. Um, me personally, I'm not personally a fan of them from a manufacturing point of view, from a blending point of view, from a dollar point of view, I am. From a blending point of view, I'm not. As a consumer, I find them rather awkward personally. All right, I want to go uh, and, and finally come up with the winner here of the Blind Taste Test. We started this whole thing August 16th of uh, telling people that the, it was on sale and begin this whole process. Uh, we're down to the finalists. It started off with our eight contenders, Senorial by Jose Blanco, B.G. Meyer, My Father, Connecticut, La Fleur Dominicana, 1992, Tattoo by uh, Tatuaje, Azan by Burgundy, Fratello and Debonair Maduro moved on to the second round of B.G. Meyer versus La Fleur Dominicana in Tattoo by uh, 
tattoo by Tatuaje and Debony Maduro. It comes down to the finals right now. We have La Fleur Dominicana 1994 versus Debony Maduro. Barry Stein, do we have a winner? Of all the votes <coughs> cast, this one was the biggest margin between winner and not winner. Since there are no losers here. That's right. LaFleur well Dominicano had 62% of the vote to Debonair Maduro's 38%, making LaFleur Dominicano in 1994 the winner of the 2014 Blind Taste Test. There we go. So it's LaFleur Dominicana. Congratulations to Lito Gomez and all the folks at LaFleur Dominicana without having the band on it. Everybody, uh, well, not everybody came down to it, but that's how it ended up coming down to the winner, which was Lafleur Dominicana, of everything there. So let's look at this a little bit and see if um, uh, really uh, price-driven-wise, uh, Debonair ended up beating Tattoo. We see because of the major price difference, maybe there is something to uh, a $5 cigar versus a, you seeing $13, $13 cigar? $13, yeah. $13 cigar. Um, my takeaway from this was that um, as much as everybody's touting Nicaraguan cigars, they want Nicaraguan cigars. I'm a retailer. I see com- people coming in and looking for Nicaraguan cigars and filling their baskets up with singles of Nicaraguan cigars. Uh, it is the fastest growing segment of it, um, but it comes down to two Dominicans towards uh, the end of it, and we, we did chop heavy Nicaraguan on it. Uh, the mix is different anyway, but um, that's the idea of a blind taste test, to try to take those out. Um, I think Dominicans are still strong. I think they make great cigars in the Dominican Republic. Dominican tobacco. Uh, is La Fula Dominicana a Dominican Puro? I don't know. It's a San Andreas Maduro wrapper over in Dominican binder and fillers. Okay. Hmm. Um, it's but it presented to you, Steve, as... It had a little bit of a Nicaraguan flavor to it in the filler, I thought. But obviously I was wrong, and that's what I was saying. Things have changed so dramatically over the last two decades with the plantings of the different seed varietals. And I know in the case of Lafleur, they do a lot of experimental tobaccos in the Dominican Republic yes. that aren't that have not typically been grown there. So it isn't the same Pilato Cubano and Olor yeah. and San Vicente. Those are probably the three cornerstones of most Dominican tobaccos. But they've been one of the pioneers of pushing some of those uh, alternative tobaccos that are now being grown in the Dominican. Yeah, you would never smoke that cigar, say, 10, 15 years ago and say this is the Dominican cigar. Because well, I mean, just compare it to what Lito used to make back in, yeah. the, in the mid-'90s compared to his mm. standard La Florida Dominicana. It was a very quintessentially classic Dominican cigar, Connecticut wrapper, yeah, yeah. mild to medium flavor, sure. very smooth, creamy, kind of honey notes, a little bit of nuttiness to it. I mean, you see the transition in his product offerings over the last two decades, and it's a lot different. He still makes those genres. Sure cigars but he they also don't sell well both though believe well, yeah you're, you're the retailer you know yeah, that yeah. and i do but you I see great, that, but you see you well. see the ones that are the ones that get the accolades from him are the more robust uh you know heavier flavored cigars are the ones that tend to do better i think what i what i took away from this is that you lost another uh, advertiser yeah i know <laughs> yeah. i know <laughs> yeah. that's my big takeaway listen i believe me i, I tried to leave that out but listen we're trying to be uh, it, it made it that far and um it was, it was actually, uh, listen, we, we, uh, I went around myself to try to put this together. It had nothing to do with Jonathan, Barry, Chuck, yeah. or anybody. Uh, I tried to match them yeah. up the best I could, uh, knowing that, uh, unfortunately, that the uh, Azan in um, Tattoo, a low-priced cigar, 
you know, it's probably not going to make it all the way through. Let me uh, say, add another comment yeah. to this, though. I mean, I think it's very impressive that, you know, Phil Zangi has a product. Phil is the, uh, the blender and the owner of Debonair Cigars, that he ends up having a product that yeah. ends up making it that far in the, in, in the contest. Yeah. yeah. You know, when you give him the short span that he's been producing premium cigars. Now, I say short span. That's really not true because Phil was making cigars way back. He yeah. was making the Indian tobaccos in right. the day out of Honduras. So Phil is a very competent cigar man. Yes. So, I mean, he's definitely capable, but it, it's always very hard in those first two, three years to make a cigar that is uh, successful and that's and adopted. And yeah. And noteworthy. And, so and and take, that's and, a testament to him. And, and take that from Steve Saka, who comes out of the of the gate first time out, boom, Liga Pavada, your first yeah, blended see, cigar. You say that it's not true because you have to understand that I had the I had a I had a factory to work with. They already had inventories of tobacco. I mean, it still took two plus years to make that. Yeah. And that's you know, that's one of the things that when we talk about, you know, whether I come back to the industry or not, that I really am concerned with is I'm concerned with the expectation game. Oh. Everybody expects so much out of the gate. That's going to be tough. Everybody says, oh, well, when he makes a cigar, it's going to be fantastic. And I was just talking to a good friend of mine who is a cigar manufacturer, and he even expressed the same thing to me. And I'm like, are you crazy? You know what it takes to make cigars. You know better than anybody else. How can you feel that way? So that's the thing that actually is the greatest impediment to me is I know what the expectation is. And how do you clear that initial bar? It's incredibly difficult yeah. when consumers already have a preconceived notion as to what you're going to give them and knowing what it takes to give that to them. I don't know that that's achievable in the small time frame that's allotted, to yeah. be honest with you. Well, you know, how do you follow up? How is Steve Saka going to follow up Liga Pavada? Oh, my God, it's going to be tough because it is looked upon as the most sought-after cigar that's out there. People are still with waiting lists to end up getting the accounts for it. And it's going to be the toughest thing is going to be to you. I mean, where do you come off what of What I'm saying is I don't believe it's possible to make a cigar of that caliber out of the gate. Yeah. I think it's something that takes years of time to do. That, that's my personal opinion. Sadly, that isn't the best opinion for what the consumer is demanding. The consumer wants excellence. Yeah. Well, and you've got, you've got a field that you're going up against. I mean, just look at, just look at this field. There's no losers in this one. Right. Uh, you know, and unfortunately, there has to be a winner. Wait. But look, we have a tremendous amount of great cigars on the shelves today. Yes. As cigar consumers, we're blessed. We have tremendous options in a wide variety of price points to choose from. So it's highly competitive. It's incredibly difficult to be successful in our industry. And I mean, it's definitely, there's no slam dunks. There's no, you're only as good as the last thing you did. Period. Yeah. Well, look at our friend Ernesto Carrillo mm -hmm. that, you know, he, he comes off of being a great cigar maker and, and starting up from scratch. Right. And, um, some of the tough times was the early start. Well, let's say this. Yeah. Ernie is a great cigar. Maker, yeah. Period. He is flat yeah. out. Um, I think part of the issue was, you know, his first few releases were more in that kind of medium profile. And, you know, everybody was expecting from Ernesto to be that old La Gloria, yeah. El Rico, Habano taste. That's what everybody was anticipating. But he's also, he's having to work with the materials that he has currently yes. that are ready to go. And I think you see the transition now, um, now that Ernie's been doing it. I think you see that some of his stuff has been migrating more towards what everybody initially expected. Right. I mean, I don't know if you guys have smoked that La Historia, but I think it's a very good cigar. I have not. Okay, I mean. and I, I think it's one that's definitely worth sampling. So, I mean, but Ernie's a guy that, A, he knows tobacco, knows cigars, incredibly talented. 
but the expectation of what he was going to do on Cigar One was so high that I don't know that it was possible to ever be successful. Yeah. Now, knowing that and going through this process we just went through and talked about it, it's going to be really tough for you. I mean, your first one is going to most likely be a disappointment, right? um, I think ultimately, I think the first one will not. Let me say this. I know that whatever is first will probably not be my best work. Yeah. Okay? Because I know that to do the best work takes time. Um, you know, if you're talking about a very small, limited batch, then that's a different story. It's very easy to make a few thousand really fabulous yeah, cigars. Yeah, yeah. But if you're talking about something that has any sort of commercial viability where enough consumers get to sample it, no, that's a very, very tough, tough task. And so for me, you know, it's kind of like what, what for, for me, if I were to enter into it, what would be important to me is to deliver something to the customer that I thought was a good value and a good cigar for for the consuming public that I could stand behind and be prideful of. Yes. Uh, but not be prideful in a boastful way, but to be honest about what it is. Um, this concept that, you know, oh, I'm going to make the greatest cigar ever, it's just ludicrous. It's yeah. just, it's not, it's not reasonable. And ultimately, even when you do make the greatest cigar ever, it's still not the greatest to everybody. I mean, you're always going to have a segment of the population that's going to like it and a segment that's not no, going to like it. You said early on that, you know, don't try to be everything to everybody. You can't. You can't. So just, why try to even to accomplish that? Right. No, the guys that are going to like whatever, Liga Pavada, for instance, the guys that like it don't just like it. They love it. And to return to the comment that I was trying to make before the break, Daniel Nunes told me that one of the most key elements to his success was being able to pick good horses. And what he meant by that was he would decide what tobaccos he wanted to focus on to work with and that he would then dedicate the three, four, five years that were necessary to work those tobaccos to their optimum smoking flavor, you know, to make them the best they could be. So a lot of it is, you know, in the early stages is trying to pick what is it where you're trying to go. Pick the best horse that you feel as though your talents are best served in working with. And I think that's very key. But the bottom line with that is it takes years. And, I mean, and you see it. I mean, you see the successes of the Padrones. Padrones were penny cigar makers when they began. They were making Fumas. Uh, The Fuentes, great cigar manufacturing family, they were making cheap bundle cigars is what their mainstay was. I mean, they didn't start making Opus X in Lost City. That's not where they began. And, and that's the thing that you have to deal with. But the problem is we're in a society now that so has such high expectations and the competition is so stiff. It's a very long road to walk yeah. to get to that point. And it's, uh, you know, I, I don't know whether it's fiscally even viable. So what's your favorite horse? What's your favorite tobacco? Look, I, I've never been shy about this. I'm a huge Connecticut broadleaf whore. I always have been. Yeah. I love the sweetness in it. I love the earthiness in it. I always have. Um, so for me as a rapper, it's one of the ones that I really like, but there's a lot of other heavy Habano seed wrappers that I'm really a big fan of too. Um, primarily, you know, I, I am, I do lean towards more Nicaraguan fillers. There are some interesting ones coming out of the Dominican Republic, but most of those are already, uh, taken by companies like LaFleur yeah. and Fuente that have already made commitments to them. The debonair guys too, they've made an investment in that. Yeah. So it's also about finding tobaccos. It's not just a question of finding what's the best today, but it's really about finding what's going to be the best five and ten years from now and identifying those and being willing to make the cash commitment to the farmer that you're willing to invest in a crop that there currently isn't a market for. Yeah. And, you know, and that's in there, and therein lies the challenge is picking those ingredients. All right. 
Steve Saka, thank you for joining us today. It's awesome. I know everybody enjoyed it. Um, next week, it's the day after Black Friday. Let's call it Black Saturday, Small Business Saturday. We're going to be live in Seabrook, New Hampshire at Two Guys Smoke Shop. We will reveal the contenders for the Cigar of the Year. Will this have any play to it? You'll see. Joining us will be the owner and founder of Hammer and Sickle Vodka and Cigars and the holder of the 2013 Cigar of the Year, Icon. Uh, we'll be giving away a snowblower. What do we call that? The Russian NASCAR. The Russian NASCAR. Will we be drinking vodka on the show? <laughs> we can drink vodka on the show. We can do whatever we want. Um, we'll also be personalizing the cigar boxes for you. They're going to bring this laser engraver in, and uh, they're going to personalize the box of cigars. It's pretty cool of what, what they do. What a great gift that great is. Great gift. Yeah, that's fantastic. So, uh... Pop by if you can and say hi. Uh, if not, just listen in to us, um, and uh, we'll give you the contenders of what we believe are the best cigars to come out all year long. So I hope you got something out of this, Steve Saka. Thank you for joining us. You gave us a lot of insight. You got any any scoop for us? Scoop? Yeah, scoop. Something no, nobody knows and something you're not supposed to tell. Or I know your, your hands are tied. You can't say things. This is a very anticlimactic way to end the show. But you give us the, if you give us the big scoop, it's the, it would be very climactic. Really? Nothing? Yeah, you're screwed. Yeah, yeah you're so screwed. that's it. Good enough. I yeah. was just hoping. <laughs> Remember, folks, this show and every show of the Cigar Authority is absolutely free. So don't be asking for your money back. <laughs> for Mr. Jonathan, Chuck Morrison, Barry Stein, and Steve Saka, I'm David Garofalo. You have been listening to the Cigar Authority on the United Cigar Retailers Radio Network. Hey, and if uh, cigar-smoking citizen Steve Saka hands you a cigar with no band on it, always remember to keep the lid end out of your mouth. You don't want to embarrass yourself. We'll see you guys back here next week on the United Cigar Retailers Radio Network. That's with Yeah, you want to know what Lenny Clark has to say about Two Guys Smoke Shop? Two guys, the Two Guys Smoke Shop guys are the nicest guys. And I'll tell you, sometimes you go into a cigar store, you really don't know what you're looking for. It's very intimidating. And a lot of times people have a tendency to be arrogant with you like they know it all. Not the guys. I want the guys up at the Two Guys Smoke Shop. If you're a first-time smoker or you're looking for a great, go in and see them. They'll put you at ease. They'll make you feel at home. They'll get you the best guy you can get for the best deal. You can't beat it. And then whenever I'm in New Hampshire again, if I'm in high-speed police chase or something, I'll stop in and have a smoke with those two guys. Why, thank you, Lenny Clark. <laughs>